Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. I know we're going to get an awful lot more clarification over the next couple of days because the Taoiseach will announce further easings of restrictions on Friday to coincide with the summer months, I suppose, as we go into June. But depending on the papers you pick up on this morning, it's all to do with June or July and, you know, indoors and outdoors and one metre or two metres and the 105 rule, as in not 105 euro, but 105 minutes. And publicans make the sun this morning where they're reacting with fury over the possibility that there will be a reintroduction of the 105 minute time limit on indoor boozing when the bars can serve people inside again in July. Um, there will be no, but then the, the mail says there's going to be no time limit on eating indoors if the tables are two metres apart. Um, but restaurateurs want special allowances for people who are vaccinated and there's going to be no vaccine bonus uh, for dining indoors, that is. So the big difference here, I think, will be whether it's one metre or two metres apart indoors. Uh, that will determine as to whether there'll be 105 minutes or not. I know it's confusing, it would wreck your head, but uh, it's frustrating for us trying to follow it. Imagine how frustrating it must be for people in hospitality trying to, trying to follow it. But what we do know is one of these Q&As in the Independent this morning where they say hotels can open their doors to customers from Wednesday, June 2nd. And then five days later, the 7th, pubs and restaurants can serve customers outdoors. And the Cabinet will have to decide on Friday when the hospitality sector will be allowed to admit table customers indoors. They figure it could be the 1st of July. If not the 1st of July, the first week in July. Uh, so that's what we're holding on to. Um, and we'll have much more clarification on Friday because he'll have to say. Now, the 105 metre, sorry, the 105 minute time limit will be imposed on indoor dining where the tables are only a metre apart if they're two metres apart, there won't be a time limit, you see I think that maybe some pubs will want a time limit to turn the tables over uh, but we'll have to see what happens there um, I understand the staff need to take a break, but I have to say I was kind of surprised to see a story break last night and it makes the echo this morning where there'll be um, short planned closures at a number of COVID-19 vaccination centres in Cork this week. So vaccination centres will close for a little while. There'll be no vaccinations at Parky Cueve uh, on Friday or Saturday. There'll be no vaccinations at City Hall or Mallow uh, tomorrow Thursday. It's to allow staff to take a break, considering the constant pressure they've been under uh, not just in the last few months, but since the pandemic began. I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of pressure over the past 14 months. But um, understandably, they want to give a break to staff who've been gone, I suppose, full belt, full kilt. Uh, but I have to wonder as to why they have to close and not just bring other staff in to keep it going. Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Acknowledging that staff need some time for a much needed break. Of course they do. But would it not make more sense to bring others in uh, to relieve them? Now, we have hit the 2.5 million vaccination mark a lot earlier than expected. So I think part of whatever I was reading said that because we're ahead um, of targets, we can afford to, you know, close for a few days. I don't know about that. Um, but they are talking in the Irish Times this morning of hitting the 2.5 mark. But there was a, a GP on WLR yesterday, a GP called Dr. Austin Burns says, no matter what we do, a fourth wave of a thousand cases of a day will hit us by August. So just when we're doing great, everybody's very positive about the future and optimistic. 
We have stories of a thousand cases a day coming in August. The only upside to this, I suppose, is that he says it'll be young people. So they'll bounce back and nobody will die. Um, Mind you, other countries do bounce back and then have to take a step back again. The UK Times this morning says that Melbourne is clamping down after the first case in 80 days. And they put restrictions reimposed in Melbourne because of that. And everybody apparently, as we look forward to the warm weather coming from Saturday onwards and hopefully all of next week, we're looking at 19, 20 degrees, people will be thinking, and it'll start in June, really, won't it? Vacations, holidays, as we used to call them, staycations here at home, where most people are planning staycationing, according to a poll commissioned and making this morning's mail this morning, almost three quarters of Irish people are making travel plans for this year and staycations are the most popular choice. And we've got a haul, like a haul of blue flag beaches. The examiner carries it this morning. There's 93 blue flag awards. There was never no more. And in Cork, we have two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve of them. I mean, it's amazing. I imagine there is no beaches not on it. The Mercy's been hit by hackers, which has nothing at all to do with the hackers coming out uh, of, of Russia or Eastern Europe or wherever. This is independent hacking, apparently, and it's a front page of making the echo this morning quite worrying. Uh, but, you know, hospitals are feeling the impact of cyber attacks, but they're doing their best in an old-fashioned way, I suppose, to try and keep the uh, the show on the road. There's an interesting court story makes the echo of a man who blamed his ex-wife for stealing 60 grand belonging to him in cash. He had the 60 grand hidden uh, behind the chimney, in the attic, and under the child's car seat. She found out about it, apparently, and she went out and took the money. Uh, she was found not guilty by direction of the trial jury, uh, the, by the trial judge. The judge actually told the jury, you know, uh, to, to find her uh, not guilty. I, have time to go, I don't have time to go into the full details of it, but the upside to it is uh, she said she used €31,000 to pay off a home improvement loan. And she lodged the remainder of the 60 grand uh, into, uh, which was uh, 25,000, uh, into a bank account. And she said that money would be used for the benefit of their children. The judge, Shauna Donovan, directed her to give the husband back 25 grand. And she agreed to, to do so. It's an interesting story. As to the balance of the money, uh, the judge said, if you wanted to get any of that back, that would have to be a, a civil action. And then there was a 50-year-old woman who was cycling to her cleaning job early one morning, attacked by a young fella by the name of um, uh, Stephen Mahan from, from Toker. He said he didn't have a drink problem, but he did have an intoxicants problem. They figured that it was believed he was high um, on a cocktail of alcohol and Xanax. But he knocked her off her bike, punched her in the face uh, and cycled the bike away. Now, the bike was subsequently recovered and he's been remanded for an appearance in court again on the 31st of the month. And coming up the lee right now, we have angry fishermen, around 60 fishing vessels. I've been sent video footage already of the flotilla coming up the harbour. I'll have more of that a little later on. They will all arrive together um, up in Cork Harbour this morning, travelling in a flotilla up the Lee into Cork City. Why? Well, to save their fishing industry. Ian Bailey makes many of the papers following my conversation with him yesterday. A lot of the newspaper pick up on, paper, pick up on that. Uh, and also the great Joe Mack. Joe Mack has been named as the 2021 recipient of the Lord Mayor's Cultural Award. And I'll tell you more about that later on this morning. But he so deserves it. And it'll be broadcast today on YouTube at half past three from the Cork City Council. I mean, he's an incredible guy and still going strong. That guard is shooting above in Dublin. Apparently the guards were calling around to this character apparently to tell him that he was the potential target of a criminal hit that another gang had a bullet with his name on it. He started firing. Apparently two guards got shot, one in the hand 
and one in the foot. So that makes all of the papers today. And Andrew McGinley, the husband of Deirdre Morley, makes The Independent. Why? He said to close down his Facebook page. Why? Trolls. Trolling um, him, the family, but in particular uh, his wife. So um, he said, well, the majority of, very, of people are very nice. He said, I, was thought, I thought I was made of tougher stuff, but Facebook is not a place I want to be anymore. Most of the, support, the uh, posts were supportive, but he was targeted by trolls making comments about him, about his family, people who have no knowledge of him or his family, and in particular, uh, his wife. So he's had to uh, close down Facebook. That's Facebook for you. That's Twitter. It's a... It's a nasty, nasty world a lot of the time. A lot of other interesting colour stories, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. Uh, one or two of them are quite funny, though. Um, and one of them has to do with um, a kid. I think we can all relate to this, particularly in a world now where you can do online ordering. If children get to do online ordering, they can make all sorts of mistakes and order things multiple times. I remember years ago, uh, my son was ordering some kind of cheap, funky sunglasses and asked to borrow a credit or a debit card. I can't remember at the time. There was these, um, there was these hit sunglasses at the time. I think they were like three ninety nine or something. Uh, I think he, I think he ordered something like forty or fifty of them because for weeks afterwards, on a daily basis, these small little envelopes with these plastic glasses were coming in the letterbox, one after the next, after the next. It's good fun looking back on it now, but it was a head wreck at the time. I mention it because there's a story in the Sun of a kid who ordered twelve breakfasts by mistake. The family went round. It was the full Irish. The bill was 174 euro worth of breakfasts. The family went round to the eatery um, to uh, ask for some money back. But they were told, nah, uh, no money back. They got onto uh, Deliveroo and all sorts of people looking for a refund and they got all sorts of grief. But they stuck to their guns. Deliveroo said, no refund. You ordered it. We couldn't give a rasher, I suppose. It's a headline from the Sun today. But it was eventually refunded because they just wouldn't let it go. Imagine there are other people have stories like that of what kids did, ordered, by mistake. I mean, I could tell you more stories like that in my life. Maybe I will a little later on. The Neil Prenderville Show. Eyes are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868-104-106. And we'll pick it up um, uh, with lots of calls, texts and emails held over. Also, we have a replay this morning between Helen, Maura and Vicky. All right. This was from yesterday's talk on a topic. We had a dead heat, dead tie between three of them. They were all perfect. But, you know, I mentioned earlier on a flotilla of boats that are coming up the coming up the lee this morning. Um, and I've seen some video footage of it. It looks incredible. I mean, it's a very serious uh, issue, actually. But to watch them come up and flotilla one behind the other and send some video footage of it, it looks absolutely amazing. I just want to have a quick chat with Patrick Murphy. Patrick Murphy, CEO with the South and West Fisheries Producers Organization. Patrick. Good morning, Neil. Okay. Good morning to uh, you're, you're not actually on one of the fishing boats, are you? No, I'm on the pier here. We're organizing things and waiting for the boats to come up and doing interviews with the likes of your good where, And where are they now, the 50 vessels or so? I mean, how many are there? There's over 50. There's nearly 60, I'd say, is, is by accounts, and they're growing as, as we speak, you know? Can you so see them from where you are? Well, we're on the quayside now, so they'll be coming around very, very shortly. There's a bit of noise in the background there. Neil, I just want to say and commend you on your stance on uh, justice and things that go wrong, you know, and the law. Well, let me tell you, for us, it's the same. Ireland's fishing industry has been robbed, mugged, taken from us 20%. 20% of our fish has been taken by the European Union and gifted to somebody else. 
To me, that's robbery. I don't agree with it. None of my fishermen agree with it. What do you mean? What it, it's been robbed and given to whom? Given to the UK. We, we've lost 20% of our natural resource in Irish waters. Just taken from us. We paid the biggest penalty for the TCA agreement to get Brexit across the line. So because of Brexit, this. Yeah, because of Brexit, British fisheries, all right, British fishery has benefited from, in Irish waters. Irish waters, of course. There's only two places really, Neil, that people come to fish. Irish waters and UK waters. That's why they come here, because there's very little fish in their own waters. That's why we're so uh, prized in Europe. Not prized at home, but in Europe. We are left with 15%. 85% of the fish caught in Irish waters is caught by different boats from different nationalities. We're left with 15%. Ireland has been mugged here. And people have to understand that after COVID, we're going to be looking for income from every source that we can. And we have a billion euro industry that should be worth at least 2 billion because we should have at least 40%, if not 50%. Um, percent how did, how was that allowed to happen, that we have there 15%? Because nobody's talking about it, because nobody realizes the mugging that went on with the TCA agreement. But did this happen over years? Like, was it chipped away at over... No? It was a Christmas present from the EU this Christmas on the 24th of December. That was the Christmas present we got from Senti from our European counterparts. What used it be in our own waters? 20%. We have no... we, We have the richest waters in Europe, and I'll explain why. We're on the continental shelf. It's where the fish come to spawn and breed. So under international law, we would be entitled to the vast, vast majority of our fish. But because we're part of the European Union, we're told, sorry, we're going to take those rights from you and we'll take the fish. When the UK left, they became a coastal state and they fell under international law and they got gifted 75% of the fish in their waters. We're left with 15%. And this is a mugging, and this is, a, a, a no jokes, this is a mugging of the Irish people. And So you're telling me that the UK has 75% of fish in our waters? No, in their waters. In their, oh, in their own in waters. Their, in their own waters. And what happens, when you, what happens when you fish in their waters? You don't have a quota, you get arrested, <laughs> fines of up to 50,000, your nets are taken off you and your boat impounded. The new legislation that's coming into this country is you don't even have to go into a courtroom. You get um, charged and, uh, and fined so, and uh, prosecuted. And here's the, here's the kicker. If you go into a courtroom and you're exonerated, the penalties don't uh, evaporate. You still have them. And these penalties lead to a person, a skipper, if he hits the magic number of 90 points, loses his credentials and his right to be a skipper for the rest of his life. And he can't get them back. Okay, and a lot of that you don't even have to go to court anymore. They fast-track the penalty against you. They fast-track the, the so-called yeah. crime, if you like. So where, where else can Irish trawlers and fishermen fish outside of the 15% of Irish waters? Very little. You get a little bit in, in the English waters. You see... There's misinformation going out there. We're told, oh, 30% of the fish we catch in UK waters. The only fish that we have to go in and catch in UK waters are nephrops, prawns, down in the smalls. But the mackerel move. So mackerels spawn in our waters, move up to the other place to feed and come back to our waters. And we have a minute share of that in overall. There's a a million tons of them there. We get 60,000 for our country. It's worse for blue whiting. We have a a million tons, so... Not in case the listeners don't understand this, there's a million tons of blue whiting. We get thirty thousand. Oh, for God's sake, man! And these fish spawn and breed and and and, and grow in our waters, right? 
Now they move to other waters for a holiday <laughs> and they're caught in the other waters then, but they always come back. So under Uniclass law, the United Nations law, law of the sea, we would be entitled to a far greater share. This is impacting every single citizen in Ireland. We're going to lose 200 million a year. It's a billion euro industry. We're losing 20%. So we're going to lose two hundred million. What, no. But what, what does it what does it mean to the take home pay of, of fishermen? Oh, from the top boats, twenty thousand a man down to maybe five to ten. Like this is and this is all they have. Do you understand? They do, they're not earning huge money. You know, they, they, they're only making a, a livelihood out of the fishing. We have boats that are coming up here that you'll see them. They're worth millions, but it costs hundreds of thousands to maintain and keep those boats legal. They have to pass code of practice. They have to pull their stern tube, their shafts. They have to keep the boats right. We had one member who had to replace four steel panels, but because of where the panel was, he had to rip out his um, accommodation for his crew. Yeah. He had just put in. It cost him quarter of a million Mother of God. to do his boat up. The steel cost five grand. And but this is what you're talking about in the industry. And the you 60 know, vessels that are coming up the harbour right now, I think they all passed Blackrock Pier there a few minutes ago. Where do they come from? They're coming from all over the coast. They're coming from, I'd say, Galway, down from Kerry, the Kerry coast, down in the south and west, over the southeast coast, up as far as Kilmore You know, these boats, uh, uh, this is their desperation. They should be fishing. They're under pressure enough as it is. It's going to cost them a lot of money to steam here in, in fuel, but they're still willing to do that because they need somebody to listen to them, Neil. And when they land and tie up, what happens next? We just tell the people about the stories, the life stories of these people and what they've gone through all their lives in the previous generations to reach this pinnacle where they have massive modern boats that can compete with other foreign fleets and yet they're told one in five of you will have to go. Oh. I'm not just saying this now, right? You have to understand, look at the news. This was the cure after Brexit. The government said, oh, we're going to work with the fishermen. We're going to help them. We're going to give them money to tie up. Right? That means stop fishing. Then we're going to find a more permanent solution, which is decommissioning, which is put them out of jobs, which is take these boats and crush them like a coke can, because that's all you can do with but them. But that's, inc- that's insane. We're an island nation. We're surrounded by water. It's a natural resource. Yeah, and it's a, a rich natural resource that we have the skill set and the fleet to catch it. And, what and we're telling them to tie up the fleet. A lot of our pelagic boats are tied up for maybe six or seven months of the year. Okay, what? While other boats, super trawlers, are steaming all around catching fish all year And are there other issues, added issues then with the Spanish and the French and the Portuguese and things like that? Well, I'll tell you what the latest crack was, right? So the European Union felt that our competent authority, the SFPA, weren't able to do their job and enforce the laws properly. So they revoked the, the right for fishermen to put their fish into the back of the truck, send it to a, a, a factory where it would be weighed. So they didn't trust them. So what they're doing now, Neil, imagine this, just for the listeners. You have your fish, you gut it, you put it into a fish box, you ice it, you chill it, you put it into a refrigerated room with costs hundreds of thousands to put there. And now what you do, you take it out of the boat, you put it on the pier, you shake the ice off it, you put it into another box to weigh it without the ice. And you destroy the quality of the fish and then you try and sell it to market. Whereas all the other boats are allowed to come in, foreign boats, put it into the back of the trucks, wave it goodbye, they don't even touch the pier wall. As you would have seen in in the TG Cahar 
news last night at 8 o'clock. Yeah, this yeah. is what's happening. Yeah. What, about, what about the likes of me, Hall Martin, Simon Coveney, Michael McGrath? We have a lot of heavy hitter politicians on, on Lee's side. Do you get any help yeah, from... So, so, so you'll hear the keywords. oh, there's challenges against the industry, they're the worst hits and everything else. Well, I, I described this to one politician. Do you know what was a challenge? A challenge was for the men that had to climb out of the trenches in the Psalm to get to the other trench. That was a challenge. This is no challenge. This is a wipeout. This is extinction. We are talking about their own language, which is decommissioning. We are going through three of these um, decommissioning schemes to correct the industry's uh, lack of quota. Imagine, lack of quota in the richest waters in Europe. We don't have enough fish. A German friend of mine, Neil, said this to me. He said, listen, in Germany, they believe that the Irish are looking for a handout here again. Oh, sure, look, here they are coming with the begging ball again. What's wrong with them? Are they not good fishermen? Can they not catch the fish? So that's where the fish are. This is the problem. People don't understand the realities of what is happening here. I think our, I think Irish people always had a problem with others coming into Irish waters. They did, like, and I understand Brexit, and I understand, like, the EU wasn't friendly to fishing ever, sure, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. So we were always yeah. on the back foot. We always had to reduce our fleet for others to fish here. But this is the greatest insult of all. We've paid double. So just to give the figures to the listeners, the EUK got 173 million extra fish after Brexit. Ireland paid 43 million euros of that bill. There's eight other countries that fish here. Why did we get caught for the biggest amount? Do you know what we were told? Our proximity to the UK. In we our own told. waters. In no, our own I waters. don't know, has anybody ever looked at a map? But I'll tell you, France and Belgium are a lot closer to the UK in places than we are swimming the channel. So, okay. like, that's okay. nonsense. Okay. That was, that was, we were mugged. And, oh. and the Irish people need to know this isn't about fishermen. You take that out of your yeah, yeah. communities, you're going to be in serious trouble. All right, let me get down to uh, let me get down to Blackrock Pier to see uh, how the boats are passing and the trawlers are passing. And and Seamus is actually going to head down to meet the fishermen to hear their stories as well. All right, Patrick. Perfect. Listen, Neil, we appreciate getting the opportunity to do this. You know, all right, you hear the boats in the background now coming up. This, this, this is an event that you don't see that often, and these guys are doing this under the greatest. Of I know. I mean, it's a very serious matter, but at the same time, it must be some sight to behold. So let me get a bird's eye view of it, if you don't mind. Talk later, Patrick. Cheers for now. Lee, good morning. Hello. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? I can, yes. They just stopped beeping again, but it's absolutely brilliant in here. Just describe really it to me then. Where are you and what do you see? So I'm at Blackrock Pier and I'd say about 50 boats have probably passed by now and there's still a couple coming. Um, it's really, it's a beautiful spectac- uh, spectacle. All shapes and sizes? Oh, um, mostly sort of middle, but yeah, there, at the start there was a couple of bigger ones and some of the smaller ones are kind of bringing up the rear. But really, yeah, people seem to be supportive and everybody's enjoying looking at it. And have many people turned out down in Blackrock to, wit- to witness? I think, Neil, it was more so sprung. Um, well, not, I heard about it on the news, but I wasn't actually kind of expecting it to sort of come out like this. And when I heard the beeping, um, I looked and I was just like, oh my God, that must be what it was. And I think... Most of the people here, I don't think they deliberately came, but everybody's enjoying it. Absolutely. They said they're telling me there could be upwards of 90 or more. Mick texted, they're still coming up the river. There must be nearer 90 or so. Actually, now that you say it, I'm standing on a bench and I thought it was the end, but I can see another two coming around the corner. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more coming up. Amazing. I mean, it is very serious for them. I mean, we really appreciate their predicament. What am I hearing there? Well, 
see, they're, they're blowing their horns and people are waving and people are taking videos and, yeah, I think people are showing them a, a solidarity this morning, Neil. This is what it's all about, getting the message of desperation out there, the message Absolutely. that change is needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't and know where they're all going to tie up when they reach Cork. Oh, well, well, they'll find they'll find somewhere, I'm sure. Know. All right. And the tide is out a little bit here as well, so I was wondering. But yeah, I'm sure it'll be um, it'll be brilliant if anybody's in town. Absolutely, get in and have a look at it because the boats are fabulous. You got fabulous. it. You, you are so kind to be my eyes and ears on the ground. Thank you, Leah. Let you get back there, to Neil. it. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Oh, that's fantastic having her there. It really is. Seamus is heading down, and we'll get an opportunity to do some audio with with the uh, with the fisherman. Um. 60 was what we expected and they're figuring there's upwards of 90 or perhaps even more at this stage. Now, I know it's very serious, but amongst other things, they certainly got the weather for it. And if you're in the area, do show your support. It's a site, I think, that you will want to see a flotilla of fishing trawlers uh, from all around the south coast and up the west as well, heading up Cork Harbour as we speak. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Brexit shafted the Irish fishing fleet. And that means that those that represented Ireland within Brexit shafted the Irish fishing fleet. And it's even making the UK papers and online this morning uh, of furious fishing protests on Leaside. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. Thank you to everybody that's sending me uh, videos. My buddy Kevin Meany is down on the keys as well. And he's sending some super videos of the uh, fleet as it comes up the Lee. It's a sight to behold. I mean, it looks great, but there is a very important message in there. Okay, we'll come back to that a little later on. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Now, let's do our replay of yesterday's uh, talk on a topic because we had an absolute dead tie with all three, Helen, Maura and Vicky. So they should be standing by, practicing all night, I suppose. Helen? Hi, Neil. How Morning, you? Maura. Good morning, Neil. Morning, Vicky. Hiya. Morning. Now, we have 30 seconds again for you. Um, unfortunately, uh, Lana was to judge this with me, but she is um, not, she can't come into me right now. It's just too busy. But uh, but I do have the one and only uh, Brenda Dennehy, who's going to judge it. Because as you know, girls, I'm incapable of making a decision, right? <laughs> just, I just I just can't do it. What well, we might do, Neil, if there is, um, if oh, they all are joined again. No, I, I spoke to um, the senior producer, Miss Ema Rohe Martin, about this a while ago, and she suggested the best story wins. So that'd be the best story. Okay. Yeah. Well, we cross that bridge when we come yeah. to it. All right. Okay, my dears, are you ready? Yeah. Thirty seconds to talk on a topic. No ums as repetition or deviation. Whoever does it best wins a five hundred euro voucher. We'll have two competitions today. A five hundred euro voucher for the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. Your first, Helen. Okay, no pressure. A number please between one and fourteen, interestingly enough. Um six. Number six is the number six is my three wishes. If you were to be given three wishes, whatever they may be, what would those three wishes be? You have thirty seconds. Your clock starts now. Well, Neil, I have to say my three wishes all kind of link in together. First wish is to get back to Cork City. Second wish is to go to Hillbillies on Grand Parade. Third wish is to finally get that Breton of Bon Neil. Now, Hillbillies is a renowned Cork establishment. It might be known for its culinary expertise, but it has a place in every Corkonian. 
many a night in, um, after voodoo you will go in there if you want an atmospheric place of dining hustle and bustle of voodoo or of hillbillies um, at 2am now you might get the old shoulder for trying to get your breast in a bun but those are my three wishes finally getting that breast in a bun meal tasting it like wow bring me back to point in time <laughs> so your three wishes are all tied into the one thing getting into Cork City getting into hillbillies for a breast in a bun <laughs> yep what do you think yeah, I think she got one um anyway. Do you know was it one point five? Do you know was it an and or um? Mark, what do you think? Was I it an and or am? And I say, and I, I say. Well, I wrote down two stumbles. Oh, yes. you're on yeah. top of this, yeah. Mr. Willington. <laughs> Mr. Willington gives you two stumbles. Okay, okay. so Mora, Mora. Yes, Neil. You have to beat two stumbles. All right. <laughs> oh yeah, she's very good. Thirty seconds. Pick a number between yeah. one and fourteen. Seven. The number seven is the best thing about my neighborhood or where you live or your parish. The best thing oh. about your neighborhood, you're still there. 30 yes, seconds. Your clock okay. starts now. Okay, I live in Killeen, South Blarney, and I have the most wonderful neighbours. Uh, we also have a WhatsApp group between all of us, and if there's anything going on in the whole area that we would drop a message to leave anybody know what's going on. I have two great neighbours that I go to bingo with every every second week. My other neighbour, they're uh, Italian and they're great. We have a great time with them. It's a great place to rear children. It's very quiet. It's just outside the city. We've got a bus stop right at the end of the road. We've got two pubs. One is for sale at the moment. So if some... <laughs> One is for sale. Would you buy it? Uh, if I had the money I would if you'd give it to me <laughs> <laughs> the best I can give you this morning is a 500 euro voucher for the furniture centre what do we think what do we think of the great Moore and Killeen's two stumbles yeah there was two wasn't there Mark there was two yeah two oh for god's sake <laughs> yeah two with two it all depends on it's wide no. open now yeah. for Vicky Murphy in the lock <laughs> it's, it's wide open it's there for the taking oh Less than two stumbles wins it, all right? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, 30 seconds to talk on a topic. Number between one and 14. Um, five. The number five. What have we got for you? My favorite season of the year. There are four. My favorite season of the year. 30 seconds as to why. Talk on that topic and your clock starts now. My favourite season of the year is autumn because it's not too hot, it's not too cold. You usually get the nice weather. I love the changes in the trees and the different colours. I don't have to wear as high sun factor as I do in the summer because I usually wear factor 50 because I like to keep my skin young and I don't like the wrinkles. I like the sun but not too much. I love the changes in the temperatures. I like to wear a nice warm jumper but not too warm and you're not sweating, you don't need your full jacket. I love to go to the playgrounds because you're still able to do that. There's usually no rain. It's not like the winter when it gets too cold. <laughs> Who wears factor anything in the autumn? Not fairness. Oh, I have to. <laughs> what do we think? Yeah, she got one. So uh, she's the winner. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Vicky. Well Thank done, so Vicky, Maura, and Helen. I know you must feel awful. <laughs> no, we don't. No, no. Well, you're very, you're very kind in defeat, but I think it's all. I think we would all agree that Vicky just about shaded it. Ah, uh, she did. She I did. No, um, yeah. Fair play to you both. Fair play to you both. Thank <laughs> you, Helen. Thank fun. you, more. Vicky in the lock. Yeah. Uh, well done. Okay. Well done. Thank Five, you so much. Uh, Five hundred euro voucher, courtesy of yourselves, on the and the furnishers and a watercourse road, Blackpool, to spend Lovely. on whatever you wish. We'll get it in the post to you. Go out there and have a good Brilliant. browse around. All right. 
Thank you. Bye. Never mind about the autumn. Enjoy the summer. The weather's great from Saturday. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six for all of the business. We will have a second game this morning because, of course, that was held over from yesterday. So everybody else will get a chance. Three callers, same drill, different topics, round about a quarter to midday. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Reams and reams of text on one of the topics I was dealing with yesterday and this was the uh, Dublin councillor David McManus who was saying that children's allowance was being paid to people who didn't need it and they were being paid children's allowance says it was really just an award for a reward for having sex and having children and that it should be only given to those that need it most or the money could be better spent. Big response to that. Jeremy McCroom says, well listen to your show just now and I totally agree. Child benefit is an incentive for people to have sex. For years the support payment has has been used as a regular monthly income by some. I know one family where they have made a career out of living on benefit. The partner has six kids and she's under 30. It's ridiculous. Guess what? I and you are paying for a house and weekends away and time down the pub before COVID. Now they're drinking constantly at home and leaving the kids do nothing more than running amok. It's the older kids that are rearing the younger ones now, for God's sake. The entire system should be overhauled to support working families and develop a proper after-school care and school dinners programs for all those families and children who are actually struggling. My rule in parenting is, if you can afford a second car, you can afford a child. Children are expensive, says Jer. Interesting email. Your response to that, text 0868104106. Indeed, to the phone lines we go. Christine, what are you, what's your take on all of this? Well, I won't be booking a Caribbean cruise anytime soon with what I've left over out of my allowance anyway, that's for sure, whatever Jern McCroom thinks. Well, so he's, he's I, making I the point like, of somebody I with six kids, yeah, six kids under 30, you know. Yeah, but come here, look, the big families are like are still accessible in this day and age. But how people do it, I just don't know because I have one son myself and he's starting school in September and I am that broke already, it's not even funny. And I am I'm I in college at the minute doing online courses to get back to work because I was out of work over COVID. But like I can't understand how people make a living out of living on social like I've never heard it. I'm just laughing at it because um when I start, like, when I get my money, the first thing that goes out of it is my rent. I then have to do my food shopping, pay my ESP, um, pay my Sky. Some people pay a TV license. Then I have my internet to pay. I have fuel to consider whether that be coal or turf or blocks, whatever I decide to buy. I have gas there for my gas cooker, put diesel in the car, pay, like, my tax when it has to be paid, my insurance, pay NCT, the cost of running a car, the tyres, etc. Yeah. Then I have to buy clothes for myself and my child. Then shoes for him, coats and jackets. And when school starts, uniforms, bags, runners, books, photocopying for the school, extracurricular activities are starting this weekend. So much for free education, yeah, I know what you mean. And then like you have like school tours, parties in school, all sports to the sports. A lot of equipment needed for that, training. Yeah, like this weekend he's starting hurling training and like up at the club on Saturday, you have to register him, you have to buy him a hurley, you have to buy him a helmet, you have to buy him shin guards, you have to buy him hurling boots 
and that's that's just at the start. And like my children's down to to even cover the price of the hurling the helmet. Did you drop two hundred in town the other day on stuff? Yes, I was inside the other day, and I would send in. I would actually personally give Jaron McCroom the receipts for what I bought. No problem at all, because for him to say such a horrible thing, I personally, that's personally myself. I think that man has no clue what he's speaking about. That's just my opinion. I'm not. I'm speaking for myself because the other day in town, I bought my son a school bag. I bought him a lunchbox. I bought him a. It's a lunch bag. Then there's a box in the lunch bag. I bought him a beaker. I bought him a pencil case. Oh, I, six uh, pencils. And and I bought him four t-shirts, two hoodies, uh, three pairs of shorts, and there was a pair of sandals and pennies. Oh, and I know. All, I mean, that's an awful lot. I don't understand every single that, penny you're spending. But he's not talking. He's like, not talking about you. He's talking about career no, families. I know he's not who, talking who, about me, but like, yeah, but making uh, like saying that the money needs to be overlooked. Like, if anything. There needs to be more money put into it, to be honest, because, I mean, like, on like on social welfare, people are barely surviving. It may look like they're living the high life, but that's just a pride thing. Like, it's barely survival on, chi- on social welfare. Well, you might say like, that they'd be in county council or city council properties paying reasonable rent, not not huge rent, that they would have a lot of other benefits yeah. coming in on top of children's allowance. And um, you pay for all of that. You're paying for the weekends away, their time down the pub during COVID, are now the constant drinking at home. Kids are probably eating rubbish food and running amok. I mean, that does exist in Irish society. Oh, come here. It does, of course. But I personally, myself, as a mother myself to a son, like I don't, I only drink, I'm a social drinker. Like I wouldn't drink that much at all. I don't smoke. Like when I do go out, it's, it's an expense. Like, and I have to prepare myself in weeks in advance to say, right, I'm going out and say, I'm going to go out to Maybank holiday weekend. I need to have so much money going out and I need to have money there for a taxi home if I'm going but out. How then, how then do countries uh, in Europe do it differently? Like, for instance, um, the Spanish give 24 euro for a child. In Greece, you'd need to have four children in Greece. And, when you, and by the time you have four children, they give you 48 euro for the four of them. Yeah, if I you have just, one child in Greece, they I give you a fiver. Yeah, it's it's mental how they expect people to wear kids and and such little money. Like it's actually crazy. But the woman I with the six that. kids um, under thirty, she's got six one six six four twenty four eight hundred and forty euro a month coming in in children's allowance. Yeah, but that's but like she has that amount coming in. Yeah, fair enough. But like. She's making a living off it. I, I don't know how she's doing her my, herself because I couldn't do it. That's like, ten grand. That's ten child. grand a year. Yeah, I have one child, and I can't. The, the child benefit doesn't pull me through the month of what it should. So how she's doing that with the kids that she has, I don't understand. She must be very, very good to budget her money. Okay, that let's my, get... that, that would be my opinion. That, okay. like, yeah, it may, it may look to him, it may look to Jar on the outside looking in, or oh, this woman's living high life. Like, that woman could have been up to her eyeballs that she could have launched, she, she could be doing anything like people do, like, resort to when they're on social welfare. She could have, a but job why would you have, why would you have lots and lots of children? Without doing the maths and the sums on it. I'd love to have a big family, but I know that, like, I'm not financially able to. I'd love to have, my dream is to have a big family. Like, I've only one child, but at the minute, it's so expensive. I I know in my own head that I can't afford to have another child. Okay, okay. It just, it it wouldn't work out for me, no matter how much. But should everybody sit down, do you think, and work out the sums and do the budgeting before they have children? 
Oh, absolutely. I would like. I was seeing. I'm seeing a fella there, and like I, you know, we've spoke about kids or whatever. Like we're not living together or anything like that. I, I don't financially support him. He doesn't financially yeah. support me or nothing. I'm a single parent. Yeah. I don't get maintenance. I don't get anything like that. But that's out of my choice. But like, I just think it is a joke the way that a, like a solicitor, a doctor, a judge, like it doesn't matter what person you are. Everyone gets the same child benefit across okay. the board. That that shouldn't be the way. Okay. Child benefit should come into your payment check every week, as in to say, like, if you're on... I mean, like, why does my GP need the same amount of child benefit that I do when he's on way more of an income than what I am? Well, that's part of the conversation we're having as well. Thank you for that, Christine. Lines open, one 850 It's grand for them to say that when they have a grand wage coming in weekly or monthly, people depend on that payment to provide for their family. By the sounds of it, uh, people who disagree with me or indeed that councillor have no kids and that doesn't affect them. So these politicians will give themselves big salaries and clap their hands at the working class for doing a good job. Then they attack pensions, disabilities and the disadvantaged. Uh, honestly, another one. I thought child benefit was already paid to only people in need. Why would we pay it to everyone? Well, it is paid to everyone. There are people who probably wouldn't even notice the 140. Why can't we move that support to poorer families? Morning. My son is doing his leaving cert. He turned 18 in January. Children's allowance was stopped due to his age. He's still in secondary school. My point is, this is so unfair as he's still attending school and due to the heavy workload of the Leaving Cert, he can't even get a part-time job. Um, Others are saying children's allowance should be paid until they finish school. Uh, I believe everyone who has a child should be entitled to child benefit. I have a good salary, but our children's education and other stuff costs a lot. So anybody, including those that disagree, are clueless. I'm allergic listening to people's high moral ground. Not everyone's circumstances are like theirs. And one quick one. I work and I have a decent wage. We have three kids, but we also bought in the middle of the boom. So we're paying a high mortgage. My wife depends on children's benefits to do the monthly big shop. Yes, there's people abusing the system, but there are people abusing every social welfare system, aren't there? I'm in the middle income scale, so I probably wouldn't qualify if they decided to means test it. Just a fast one this side of 10. Kieran, good morning. Hello there, how are you? Your thoughts, go ahead. Um, what I'm saying is, um, I don't think they should be getting any benefits at all because they'll leave you off of my reckon everyone that's paying taxes and it's just uh, an attitude that's out there is living on social welfare. I know people not far away from me and uh, they're getting everything that's going. And what would everything that's going be? What would that be? Well, they're getting... Uh, they're after they're after getting a new. Well, I don't want I don't I don't want you to get too personal, but like, what kind of benefits are you talking about? Well, they're after getting a new fridge and microwave, and uh, I pay for by the tax there, and they're on a full one hundred percent half payment. Full one hundred percent half for the rent. Yes, one hundred percent, been fully paid, and they go around the fence and they lift the palm out and they leave it up in style and they're. Drinking and drinking bottles of wine and whatnot and no, well, no, and no one, no one, no one getting up in the morning to go to work. Like they don't even go to work. No, no working. And I know how this. I know how this four people and they wouldn't stretch their arse. Simple as. Don't even benefits. And do you think then on that base, basis that nobody should get benefit? Any kinds of benefit? They shouldn't get it. No, they shouldn't get it. But well, what about people it. who are on disability, for instance? Well, I'd be questioning all that as well, like. But what about genuine cases? You disabilities and they're paying their back and they think they're getting soft money first. Yeah. And it's all working. Yeah, yeah. 
But you couldn't just, you just couldn't just select, you'd have to be more selective about that. You just couldn't say, stop all pay payments, stop all benefits. Children would starve. Well, they're, they're plenty of money for drink. I know where this, this code and they're in, in Mallow a few nights a week and they're having off license and they're buying bottles of wine. They're and entitled to a bottle work. of wine, no? They don't, they, they don't even work. Uh, but this is more than a bo- this is more than a bottle of wine. It's a regular occurrence, regular pattern. Uh, yes. Yeah, that would that yes. would frustrate people who are getting up, going out, paying taxes, working hard, wouldn't it? Well, it does with me anyway. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Well made. Thank Good you for time. that. Text show eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We'll pick it up after ten. I'm Rory and I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from six on Cork's Red FM. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Liam says that the uh, welfare system, particularly child benefit, is always open to abuse here. And one you haven't mentioned yet is the fact that European mothers living in Ireland can claim for their children, even though they are living in their homeland, the children that is, and not in Ireland. An example would be, say, for instance, a Polish mother claiming for their children who live in Poland. Well, that is the way it is within the European Union. It also means that, say, for instance, if you are from Greece and you're living here uh, but your children are back in Greece you'll be getting 140 euro children's allowance for the children in Greece even though the children's allowance in Greece is 5 euro 87 cent uh, a month okay let me get to the phone lines ASAP because of people holding and it's very busy Noreen good morning good morning you wanted to talk to Kieran so you wanted to have a chat with him regarding what he said just before uh, 10 this morning what did you want to pick up on I wanted to pick up on, um, he's got a, an issue with people who are out of work on invalidity or disability or whatever because of their back. Just he, that point or the point of somebody who's on full HAP, all sorts of benefits, spends most of the time in the pub when it's open or constantly yes. visiting the off license. Not that, no? Yes, a, a bit of that, but he said about people being out with their back. A bit of a pain in their back. Pain in their back, yes. Yeah. And what, why, what, why have you a problem with that? I have a problem with that because I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people who can't work because of my back. Okay. Yeah, thank you for clarifying oh. that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I have him here on line one, so chat with him. I will, of course. Thank you. Go ahead. Hi, Kieran. How are you? I'm okay. My name is Noreen. Um, you How have you? a problem with people who are out of work because of their back. Some of it is falsified and maybe not actual pain. Is that correct? Oh, well, I have. I have a big problem with it. Well, I'm one well, of those. I, I, people, I know people are not far away from me, and 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 they're they're and they've sore backs and they're this and they're that, and they're getting full payments, and there's no questions asked. And I'm out to break my arse at five o'clock in the morning, and I'm working till eleven o'clock at night, and I'm paying serious tax, and there's no question about it. Well, if you're working from that hour in the morning until 11 o'clock at night, you're in fair play to you. You should really work to live, not live to work. But however, that's your business. But to, to just from my opinion... <laughs> I mean, I the harder, the harder he works, the more he earns, and the more he pays to the state in taxation. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's, yes. Being in tax. Paying for the likes to just carry on that's going around the country. But my... my everyone everyone seems to be entitled. I'm out entitled. of work because of my back. 
I fell and broke my back. I fractured my skull. I fractured my shoulder. I fractured my hip in three places. I fractured a finger and I fractured a toe. I cannot work because I am physically unable to work. My doctor will not clear me a certificate to allow me to work. If you met me in the grocery shop, you'd say, my God, look at that woman. I wonder why is she on disability or invalidity pension? She looks amazing because I do look amazing. But I can't work because I've that many broken bones that I am not allowed to work by my GP. So I am on that payment. I don't want to be. I don't choose to be. Noreen, can I even ask you? Can I even ask you, what happened to you? I fell on numerous occasions. Unfortunately, I've got osteoporosis. So you break bones easily, don't you? Yes, I break bones easily. Oh, my God. It's a a hidden illness. If If you met me in the shop, you, there's no way you'd say I was on any See, kind of a payment. Okay, Karen. Okay, Karen. You wouldn't include the likes of Noreen then in that in what you're saying. Well, I wouldn't. But um, there are ser- serious questions to be raised, and I'll just carry on to go on with people uh, getting soft money, and and I used to break my arms. Soft, soft money! Oh my God, man! Soft money is what it is. It's soft money. It is soft money. It's money for jam. I know people who are living off of of social welfare. Get off your high horse now with your soft money. How dare you? Don't you dare disrespect me. I fell and broke bones. I am not getting soft money. I loved my job. I was a carer. He's he's not including you in those that are getting soft money and and playing the system. But others are. Big time. Others are playing the system big time. Across the board, his comment is across the board. He didn't single out anybody, or he didn't say some people. But you're no people. no sensible person, including Kieran, would include somebody who broke their back as being freeloaders. Come on, I, I I would hope so. Did you know? Did you know that when people claim whiplash in a car accident, right, and they go yes. to court and all that kind of thing, they go to visit a doctor or they get a bit of physio, but as soon as the payment is made in the courts for their whiplash. They never go for physio again, 90% of them. Well, I suppose there is that in, in every walk of life. But just to add to my story, please, yeah. I would I would be a person that could walk into an off-license and buy wine. I happen to like wine. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> just go here and nose. Please don't judge me until you've walked in my shoes. Well, and if he's, if he's working those long hours, he should be paying big taxes because they're crazy hours. Tell him, go, go get a life. But, is, it, no, but is he not entitled to have an opinion on people who do play the soft system in this country? <laughs> the amount of free dollars that's in, in the country is serious and I'm paying for it. It's you, simple as I'm being screwed in tax and I'm paying for it. And do you ever wonder it's that you're the mug like that? You're the fool. Oh, yeah, I, I'm the fool that's walking and paying tax. I know people not far away from me. And they don't stretch their arse. One in the day to the Everything is paid for by the taxpayer. Everything. Yeah, but are they happy, that's though? Not, are they happy, Kieran? That's Kieran's? not the system. I don't know what is. Are they happy? It they must be bored witless and all that, huh? It goes up my nose without breaking my arse for someone else. Well, I know. This is, it is serious. It is serious. It is serious. It is serious. Okay, let me get uh, some more calls on the air. Anyway, good to hear your point of view, Noreen. And uh, mind yourself, all right? Okay, thank you. Take care. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, Noreen. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Lots by text. To my knowledge, child benefit gets extended if children, uh, if ch- if a child is in secondary education and over the age of eighteen, but you must apply for it. Also, kids on the spectrum get an extra three hundred a month in the form of domiciliary care allowance. It's simple; just means test child benefit. 
says Juliet. Uh, cut the children's allowance when the child finishes school. That will give parents the incentive to keep the kids in school until completion, if nothing else. Um, what else have I got for you? There's one part that your callers get wrong. A lot of people have sex in order to just get a council house or benefits. A lot of people have sex in order to get a council house or benefits. I suppose have sex to have children in order to get a council house or benefits. It definitely should be means tested in that regard. The wealthy should definitely be entitled to get some of their hard-earned tax back since they're technically paying more tax than anyone. If you make a gross salary of 100 grand, you pay 21 grand of a year on tax. How many child benefits does that account for? Uh, Morning, people with twins should not get 1.5 children's allowance per child. People with triplets should not get double per child. It's madness. If you have twins or two children born at different times, you still need to buy two of everything. That system is insane. Yeah, I actually agree with the callers who say to a certain point that uh, some disadvantaged folks may have a lot of kids to have a regular income to feed their addictions and to pay for designer gear that they really can't afford. This payment and the dole may be their only income. I feel child benefits should be means tested and only used and allowed to be used for children and not to pay a mortgage or to be spent by adults on adults. So a lot of those responses to text 0868104106. We get more on the after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Uh, you seem to forget the more you earn, the more you pay tax. You have freeloaders that never work today and get everything handed to them. The more kids they have, the more expensive to the state and the taxpayer. We are the high earners paying most as always. We then also end up paying childcare, which is the second mortgage. So child benefit goes towards some bills regardless of the income you earn. Morning, the problem lies with the absolute ridiculous thresholds they put on existing means testing. It's not just high earners that are losing out, but people that make just, say, a euro above the limit and lose their entitlements. I'm a student midwife working 36 hours a week at the moment for free. I have two kids, student midwife working for free. Nobody should work for free. My partner works full time and we're just above the threshold for any help. There's a bigger gap between people who need it and high earners. Um, Thank you for that. I know couples like us that sometimes can't get work. I had two jobs that let me go because the HSE cut all our hours. The companies couldn't afford to keep me on as there were people there working longer than me. I was only working two hours a day. We have three children. I find it very hard with their income and child benefit, but I know not everyone is the same. Um, focus on what, pe- what the councillor meant when he spoke about having sex to have children to get children's allowance, which is that child benefit should be means tested and more given to where it's needed. Uh, most form fair-minded people would welcome this. Others are suggesting, what a luxury it must be to be able to save child benefit every month. Uh, why don't they cap children's allowance to two children? That would stop them knocking out kids from for houses and money, uh, says Mary. That's interesting. Cap it at two to stop people knocking out kids to get free houses and money. We get €140 Euro a month child benefit because of our cost of living is one of the highest in the world in Ireland. Another one here, if we could afford it, then we'd save our child benefit. But our child benefit and our family pays for our bills, our food and necessities like clothing for the children. Just three more. Child benefit is not for parents, it's for the child, hence the name. No child is earning, so all children are technically poor, according to the Constitution. If the children's allowance is removed from those earning and working for a living, it will only penalise the already stretched hard-working people who still give to those who are not working and continue to abuse the system. And Kathleen says, I know of one cork pub that was actually kept open with the amount of children's allowance that was spent there, says Kathleen. 
Uh, and that's just a selection of text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Louise is standing by. First up, Sarah, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Thanks for your text, but thank you also for agreeing to come on air. People screwing the system drives you mental. Explain. Hmm. I suppose I'm kind of in agreement with Kieran, and um, who was on before on 10, earlier. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, just like I work really hard, my husband worked really hard. We've got two children, um, and we've got a massive tax bill, and we just have to cover our bills by the end of the month when the next salary is coming in. And I'm looking around, and I see all of these people, and I'm not singling out people that are on disability or on invalidity pension because I understand those people have a reason. But there are places... Well, he, he says, he would say, yeah, but only the legit ones, not the ones that are chancers. Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to get your chances, but you're going to get your chances that are on every form of benefit out there. But there are people out there that I spoke to myself before who have gone, I'm not going back to work. Why would I bother? I get more on family income supplement. Why would I bother going back to work? If I go back there, they'll mean to test me and I'll end up paying more for my council house. So it's not that I blame the people necessarily because if you're going to get away with something, you're going to keep doing it. But the government needs to be held to account. Well, what are they saying? They're saying that uh, unemployment benefit, it's say 350, family Mm. income supplement, a medical card and children's allowance adds up to more money that you would get working minimum, minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and then you have the things of back to school allowance, 150 euros per child. If you're on social welfare, you get 150 euros per child in August to pay for your child going back to school. But your 150 euro wouldn't that. that's peanuts, like in the scale of things. Yeah, but I'm paying out over 300 euros with no help from the government for my child to go back to school. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've got two kids going to school in September. It's they both need new uniforms and new tracksuits this year with new shoes and new runners. Like that's easily over 200 each per child, not including their books, not including their school bags, but, not including any of the I other know, stuff that and, they need to get. And I get no help. And for that's it, been highlighted very well this morning already when you break it down, the, the, the daily cost, the weekly cost, the monthly and the annual cost of raising a family. But how can you blame somebody then who is just using their common sense to say, I, I, I'm going to have better quality time with my family. I'm going to be able to rear my own children. I'm going to be here for them. I'm going to take the unemployment benefits, the family income supplement and everything they want to give me because I will have more money at the end of the week than I would um, paying childminders, going to work, um, you know, not seeing my kids, having, you know, having to work for a living. Exactly. You, like, exactly. Like, I, I won't even lie. I thought of it myself. I've actually thought to myself once or twice what I'd would be the attraction of going to that. work? Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. The government are the people that are in the wrong because they're allowing the people to do it. Like, they're, allowing, they're, they're paying them all of this money for nothing. They're not enticing them to go back to work. They're not giving them any incentive where they would say, OK, you will be on job seekers allowance for a certain period of time. But if you don't go back to work within, I don't know, six months or even three months, we're cutting you off. But they're not cutting anybody off. They're allowing them to continue to screw the system, take all of the money off the taxpayers and continue living their lives in their lovely houses with their lovely cars and their designer gear because I see it every single day outside my door. My kids are walking around in clothes from pennies and duns. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I love it. But how are they affording cars and designer gear? 
Because they they're getting so much money from the system, Neil. Or is it that they're yeah, working they're getting and getting their, money from the system? Parents, or they're getting their family income supplement where there might be one person going out to work and they're working a job that might, might not be paying very much. They're getting family income supplement because they have so many children. They're getting a massive children's allowance bill and then they want to means test the children's allowance. And it will probably be the higher earners that get penalised again. Like I got a promotion in my job, which I was thrilled to get massive amount of extra responsibility got a pay raise to go with it but at the end of the day when I actually looked at the tax it translated into 5 euros yeah, a month in my salary yeah, that's the thing you see do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like it's, it's galling for people like us who don't get to spend time with our children during the day because we're working they're either in school or they're with childminders or they're in after school which we have to pay for because we get no help whereas so, these people like they still get the ECTE scheme so they're getting paid the children's allowance, they're getting paid the everything that they want, but yet they still get the free childcare when the child turns three, the exact same as what anyone else gets. So does that mean that the children go to childcare and the mammy or the daddy just go home? Yeah. So that's farcical, isn't it? But that's the reality, Neil. That's the country that we're living in. So no incentive for people to get off their arse and go to work then. But why would they bother when they, like, they, they, it's, it's common sense to say, I'd, I'd rear my family better by not working. Absolutely. Like, I agree with you. It is common sense. But that's why I'm saying the government needs to do something about it. It's not like the people are wrong to do it. It's disrespectful. I think, like, I, I think it's the height of disrespect, if I'm honest. But if you're going to get away with it and you're going to make a living for them, you're going to stay home to children, of course you're going to do That's it. That's my point. Hold on there if you wish. Louise, jump in there. You're snapping over Kieran with regards to people claiming disability and there's nothing wrong with them, is it? No, I actually just think that, look, if people are sick and they're unwell and they're off work, that's fine, like, but there's not everybody is in the same boat. Well, clearly not. You know, not all, everybody all... isn't in the same boat. Like, and you can't just put everyone in that same category. Like, like I'm a single parent. I work part time. I'm chopping and changing, trying to get my child to school, get to work, getting collected. I'm living privately in a house. Like, I'm barely scraping all the time. Like, so I can only speak for myself. And it's frustrating that when people speak about it, they put everybody in the same category. No, let's not put everybody in the same category, but let's at least agree that in every section of society it's open to abuse. Oh yeah, 100% of it. But yeah. he's only saying that he's working from 5 in the morning till 11 o'clock every day, pays huge tax, but sees in the community around him freeloaders and people who lie about, about being disabled or unwell or issues in their life and have never worked a day in their life. Should we all, we all know that that's true. Oh, that is true, yeah. People do do it. Yeah. But everything is means-tested, like, everything. I mean, you're even means-tested for a medical card. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You are, like... Yeah, but, uh, uh, but at what stage does somebody get cut off benefit because they never got a job? I don't, I don't know, really, like... Like, people just get cut... Like, I know that if you go on as a job seekers and things like that, people get the two years. But after the two years, you can go on a different payment. Mm. And people do it. Some people have no intention at all of ever going back to work, but some people can't Yeah, on their yeah. own and stuff like that. I mean, childcare is so expensive. It is so expensive. Are you a single, are you a single parent that's working? Yep. Okay, so you get, uh, how much How much childcare would you get? I, I don't even get childcare. I literally, my friends and my family, my sister, they literally try to collect the child for me when I'm at, when I'm at work. But I thought there was free childcare provided up to a certain age. Well, probably, yeah, because I, I didn't, I don't know. Mm. I've never done it. Yeah, you want to check that out? 
Yeah, I literally just get the girl. I just hate it being chopped and changed. Like, but yeah, I am a single parent working on my own. Okay, and do you have to do you have to top up the rent then, with regardless yeah. of half? Yeah, I get half, and then I have to top it up, which is literally nearly two weeks of my wages. So I literally pay all the rest of my bills from the other two weeks as well. Oh, for God's sake! Oh, for so, God's like, sake! I'm not out all the time. I haven't been in a pub in sixteen months. And tell me then, what would you use the children's allowance for? School uniforms. Not I literally use it for. I use it for the uniforms, and then throughout the year, it's for the rest of the bills. And if he needs something, I get it. He worked his uniform there one month, two weeks after going back to school. I'd go back out and get a new uniform. So Sarah, what do you make? What do you make of that? There, there is somebody who is dearly trying to do the best she can with a bit of with a bit of assistance by way of happen things like that. She's not screwing the system. Absolutely not. I say more power to her for getting up and going to work every day. You know, she's not. She's clearly not getting much help from the government. But they're the people that the government should be helping. Like, yeah. you know, Louise is very obviously trying to get out to work and try and look after her it's your son I think Louise you said Um, and she's not getting any help from the government so like the government that's what I'm trying to say is that the government are in the wrong they're they're helping the wrong they're helping the wrong people like so two weeks of your wages goes to top up your hat rent yep crikey you're on the back foot straight away I mean that's like that's impossible it's really hard yeah, it's it's really hard. Like I I started school for next year already. I have to. I'm on my own. Like I get no maintenance from his dad. Nothing. I have all my bills to pay as well. And at the end of the day, if I don't work, I don't have any home. Would it not be cheaper? Not would you get? Would it be not be more beneficial not to work? I don't want to not work. Yeah. I for my own sanity, I need to get out and go to work. Okay. Okay. I mean, like at the end but of the I think day, you like, need to that your kids see that you go to work to get paid to get what you want. Like that yeah. for me is very important, you know, morally it important is. that my kids see that we work hard to get the things that we have. Oh yeah, like he you knows know? that he's like, oh, mommy's working out tomorrow, so he knows that he's going mm-hmm. to my sister's tomorrow, and he's like, I'll see you after work, mommy. He knows it. Okay, good but point. But the days that I'm off, then he's delighted. Like, like yeah. Friday night is moving night. He loves it that I'm off. So it's not easy, like. But I, I stress about two weeks down the line of who's collecting them. Um, how am I going to get to work? Can I do it? Yeah, and Neil, just on the the, the childcare payment there that you spoke about, we actually applied for that because we have childcare costs, obviously, and we were over the threshold by a hundred euros, which meant that we were completely struck off. A hundred euro a week, a month, or a year? A year. A hundred a year. You were over. Yeah. One one hundred euros a year. It's based on your net income into the into the household. And but a hundred euro. That's that's that that doesn't seem right to me. It seems too yeah. far, way too cut and dry. You know. It was a hundred euros. That's, that's a year. true. Like if you're over by anything, a euro, you're, they, they just take it off you. They cut they, they cut your leg. Okay, let me get some calls on the air, texts and emails. Thank you both, Louise and Sarah. Appreciate it. Writing in regards to all of the officially working and people saving and those who actually let me let me let me just let me just put this in context this has to do with somebody who figures that they're just going to quit work right um, and they say writing in regards all officially working and saving people who don't shop in brown thomas i suppose that should be writing on behalf of should it um, all of those people who don't shop in Brown Thomas or don't go on five-star holidays three times a year. Uh, trying to buy a house in Cork suburbs is becoming impossible. And on top of it, 
news like this um, with regards to the 40% of newly built houses being used for social housing doesn't help the rest of us to try and buy a house in Cork suburbs. This is absolute BS. I know so many people who haven't worked two days in their lives and earn more money on the side than I do officially in my job. Yet they will get or have gotten already a free house and barely have to pay for its upkeep since it's all paid for from our massive taxes. And even if I could afford the 360,000 new house, how could I happily live next to someone who got the same 360,000 new house for free? Why can't they build seven or eight floor apartment blocks like in most countries and offered them those apartments instead. I'm pretty sure people who actually need it would be delighted with it. And they wouldn't refuse it then due to the garden not being big enough for my kid's trampoline. How on any planet is this fair? How can the government not see that 90% of the social housing estates are covered in brand new cars? While the rest of us are saving as much as possible for the house we'll be paying for for the rest of our lives. How do people working in the likes of big companies like Amazon get a free house? Highly debating quitting my job and just sitting on my couch all day waiting for the free house to be offered. Doesn't it sound like a dream? Please don't give out my details. I know a few people around me who receive free houses. Uh, they'd be hiding income, rant over, going back to work, um, says Jay by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Contemplating quitting, giving it all up. You'll be on a list, though, waiting for that free house. Like many others are on a list waiting for the free house. Text 0868104106. Lovely one coming in there a while ago. Say, just to let you know that the traffic is now backed up to the lower Glanmire Road because of the fishing flotilla coming up the Lee because of the protest. It's great to see so many people turn out to support them. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. One of the points that Jay was making about wanting to quit job and get free house and isn't one of those that chops and bound Thomas or goes on five star holidays three times a year is the fact that of the 1,000 homes that are expected to be built in Cork City this year, 1,000 of them on 57 sites. Um, so that's 1,000 homes. 40% of them will be for social housing, which means that only 600 of them will go on the open market. Uh, and that's what really annoys her, I think, that of the 1,000, 600 will go on the open market where people can buy them and 400 will be set aside then for social housing. And that is inequitable, I suppose, is what she's saying, really. What about those that just want to live their lives? And this is an interesting email with regards to a topic of conversation that's close to the heart of this young family. Just wanted to pick up on a common theme when discussing issues and the two-tier approach to the enforcement of laws in Ireland, whether it's the travelling community or even the lads and Davy stockbrokers, old people attending mass, guardy swooping in to clear them out, but the travellers' wedding in Longford, Gardy refused to enforce a high court order um, and essentially provide armed security for the wedding. Uh, anyway, I'm really not taking issue with travellers here. It's just recent examples and one that ties in with my own current situation. My issue is with the Gardy and local authorities. Without going into too long a story, myself and my partner were caught out with the rental market a year or two ago and we went uh, about opting for a log cabin on my parents' property as a stopgap until we could find and get a deposit together. Um, I suppose it's okay to say that your uh, your partner's epilepsy was an issue and she had to leave work. You were incredibly lucky 
we already had the log, log cabin, cabin, seeing as well we could definitely not get a place on my self-employed wages alone. So, log cabin was there. Fast forward some time, issues with the neighbours, issues with planning. It turned out we needed planning. A lot of people in the same situation, it's not uncommon even according to Cork County Council. However, we were refused planning. And now the councillor hounding us non-stop, threatening court enforcement if we are not out and have the log cabin demolished by June. I completely understand we need to comply. I want to comply. We never wanted to live in a log cabin, but it was a necessity. No matter how we word it, Cork County Council can't appreciate the sheer impossibility of us securing alternative accommodation to be able to begin complying by demolishing the dwelling. We can't. They do not care about the current rental market, that we do not qualify for any housing assistance, that my partner has epilepsy, that the only way we can possibly comply is by living in the car in the driveway, trying to manage my partner's condition and run my business. All they care about is compliance and their precious planning precedent. A young couple in their 20s being made homeless is not a concern of those, apparently. What really annoys me is that when the travellers in Blackpool had a COVID outbreak, they had houses for them in a matter of hours. Houses for people who have shown no intention of working or bettering themselves. Whereas I left school at 15, I was in FOSS on the day of my 16th birthday to get on a course. I had my first full-time job as a cleaner at 18, while all my friends were living it up in College Road. I've never looked for a handout, never looked for assistance in any way. I've successfully launched my own business during the pandemic and I can't even be afforded a bit of breathing room. All we want is six to eight months to be able to get a bit of money behind us and some lead time to find a place to rent, giving the current supply. But they're absolutely refusing and keep replying with the same response. The structure was denied retention planning, as if somehow I'm not getting it. I really don't want to come on air. I don't want sympathy. And I know most people will say, ah, sure, it's your own fault. I completely agree it is. But I think being thrown into homelessness and inevitably losing the business I've built is too great a cost for learning this lesson. I don't know in what way I expect you to help, Neil, but I just needed to share it. And thank you for sharing it. The clock is ticking on June, actually. So any updates on this? I mean, I've had this email for... Unfortunately, about eight or ten days. My apologies for not getting to it sooner. But how are you doing now? Um, um, when June comes, will the county council come in and demolish it around your ears? Or, or, or what? So please update me because I think we would all like to know. Uh, you were told that you have to be out and the log cabin demolished by June. We talking 1st of June? 31st of June? Or when? Come back to me. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Yesterday, Brenda tells me there was a massive response to a particular email that I read out yesterday. I don't know how busy you are right now, but if you could just give me 30 seconds of your time. Because I read out this email and she got a response to it from many, many people who are just too afraid uh, to come on air, apparently. Isn't that what you're saying to me? Yeah, there we've received quite a lot of correspondence from worried people and it would be the north side area, Neil. And this was, um, my son was out with four friends on Friday, all aged 11. They were playing ball when a knife was put very close to one of the boys' faces and the guy with the knife was only about 14 years of age. That was the email you're referring to. Yeah, and then we have, I think in one of your, you have another email as well this morning of a similar incident that happened as well. And then... There's been, I think I've spoken to three or four parents and their children as well have been in the same position where they've either been threatened and it's it's their children's other, it's their peers 
they're 13, 14 year olds going around with, with knives, knives. With knives. And you know me, I'm good for persuading people to come on air. They won't come on air at all at all. They're too afraid that there'll be repercussions. Okay, so have, have I got some of those texts then? I do? Yeah, okay. you do. So the other email you're referring to, thank you, Brenda, the other email you're referring to is, I just heard you speaking about those kids that were being terrorised without being out playing. This is going on constantly in the north side, for example, Holly Hill, Knocknaheeny and Grona Braher. My son and his friends were out two months ago and this gang came along and stopped them in the street. My son's friend ran and they gave my own son a dig in the eye. They had vicious dogs with them and they carried canes as well. They're about 15, 16, maybe 17 young members of the traveling community. Now, how you know that, I don't know, but I'll come back to that. They go from park to park on summer's nights, bullying kids. When my son came home and told me what happened to him, I was fuming. We wanted to go to the site, but he asked us not to because the repercussions would only make it worse. The guards know about this as last year they were asked to go to the site and speak to the kids but it's worse than ever now. I dread to think of the summer coming because our kids can't go out with peace of mind without watching their backs all of the time. Thank you for taking the interest in this topic. It is important to us families. Please do not give out my, my details. So this seems to be a bigger problem than one would think when you just read out the one email because there are an awful lot of texts as well coming on on this issue uh, to 0868104106. But, and I know that it's a delicate topic but the same actually happened last summer at a family friendly camping site a parent actually allowed a child to choose a pen knife for his birthday present the child cut into the ropes on the swings which later broke injuring a child he pulled out the knife to show the other kids in one disagreement he pulled out the knife he wasn't a bad child he just shouldn't have had a knife the parents should have known better. Total madness. My daughter came home from school yesterday telling me how her friends have been threatened by kids with a knife. They stole one fella's hat and their takeaway food, which they had just bought. It sounded like they were a bit shook up by it. Another one here. It's time to build a few juvenile centres and put anyone caught with weapons in there for six months, no matter what age. My own son was stabbed an inch away from his juggler on his doorstep while living in Cork for his first year of college. The guy that did it was a known druggie and because they picked up, picked him up selling drugs, he got away with what he did to my son. They just prosecuted the drugs. It was a case of mistaken identity where my son was concerned, apparently. It's a joke. They should be given boot camp and make realise what they're doing is wrong, but we're always wrong if we retaliate, though, for the sake of our kids. And one more here. Knife crime's an epidemic. The government won't get tough now. I fear we'll lose a lot of young people to knife crime and gang-related crime waves when it comes here. Toker's also full of teenagers drinking antisocial behaviour. The elderly in Toker are afraid of these gangs and nothing's being done about it. There's reams of them. My wife had a chap in the shop two weeks ago with a knife down his back. The guards were called and two hours later the same guy was walking Patrick Street again, albeit without the knife. I heard a lot of this happening around the tank field and up by Mayfield swimming pool. It's been going on for over a year now. I've seen them trying to threaten kids on a school trip while the teacher wasn't looking, tell them they had a knife in their pocket. They're only young kids themselves. Why aren't they in school? I know it's a delicate subject really, but let's find out um, you know, uh, if, if this is as big a problem as texters and emailers believe that it is. Councillor Ken O'Flynn. Ken, good morning. Is it, is it that bad? I know, it's, I know it's delicate in the sense that people are pointing fingers at traveller kids. Is that fair? Uh, look, the reality is, is that it's not just traveller children. Um, that's the reality of it. As you've mentioned there, where the reports are coming in, um, it's not just located in Farnry or Fairhill or Grona Broder. It's across the city. It's east and west and it's out in Ballincollig. It's down in Lammire. 
um, that there is a, a huge increase of antisocial behaviour. So it's fair to say uh, that there are kids out there and teenagers out there with knives threatening and robbing other kids? Yes. Yes, and some do come from the travelling community. Like, you know, that's the reality of it. But others are, are from the settled community. The reality is, Neil, is what, what, what we regarded as antisocial behaviour when we were growing up, um, not that long ago, is completely different to what antisocial behaviour is today. Um, and what's been tolerated today. And we have had a huge increase in knife reports. I've had people on the phones to me that in the last, Last night, actually, we had the first online community forum with Gardaí and met with Gardaí and elected members of the council. And there was uh, quite a number of submissions sent through from Glanmire to Blarney uh, and across the north side of the city um, regarding antisocial behaviour and problems in different areas. Uh, and the guards do recognise that there is an increase in, in antisocial behaviour, that it's very different to what it was 20 years ago. That it's that there is an increase in drugs. There is an increase in 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 in, in knife crime, and they're getting and younger, and they're getting a lot younger. But also, there's so many people that make contact with after putting in submissions, who who a bit like your radio show today, who have contacted and said, please don't read out my details, please remove my name, please remove my submission because I'm afraid that this will be looked up and that this will be checked. And we've had teenagers going to people's doors in some parts of the city. You know, I'm talking about fellas that are under 18, you know, 16, 17-year-olds, uh, in tow with 13 or 14-year-olds. Uh, and what's interesting about that is the older these guys are getting and the no- nearer they are to uh, being arrested for, for various crimes that could contain uh, prison sentences for them, it seems to be that they have the minions uh, now carrying out the antisocial behaviour of the 13, 14-year-olds doing damage so nothing can actually happen to them. Oh, yeah, really? The, 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 the adults are getting the kids to yeah. take on the retribution the old, for them? The older, the older youth in the area, the guys that are, you know, would be well known to the guards. And the guards will tell you this themselves, you know, that there are they're certain individuals that are always known to the guards that are food makers for a very long time. They've gotten cuter about things and they've decided that they're going to recruit a couple of uh, young, young lads um, into their gang. And you know you you know it's very cool when you're 13 to be friendly with an 18 year old or a 17 year old you know to be included. In the yeah, they are probably also use them to run drugs for them, don't they? R- running drugs, running knives, um, terrorizing certain neighbours who are who would be known for being in contact with community guards, who would be known for uh, being active in their community, okay, who, so who would have stood up to them at one stage and said, get off the wall, I know what you're doing down here, I'm going to report you. And they and become targets then, do they? they Neil, they've had wing mirrors taken off their cars, they've had cars burnt out, they've had windows broken in their homes, they've been, you know, people jumping onto their either balconies if they're in kind of a, the, the duplex apartments or the, the flat site sort of thing. Uh, so that's why I hear of people who've had know. petrol poured through their letterbox then. <laughs> exactly. Um, pe- um, you've had people that have been petrol bombed uh, in their front porches, you've had people whose uh, sheds have been burnt out, you've had people whose cars have been stolen. Um, people whose children are then being targeted, um, going to the bus, um, going out for meeting their friends that are, that are now kind of confined to their houses because they're afraid to go out because their mother or their father has challenged one of these people living in their neighbours. So that's why people I, don't know, want to make noise or complain or have their details known because they become they're, targets. They are, they are targeted, they're targeted and they're terrorised. That's the reality. And that's why Tommy that. Gould was saying there recently then um, that uh, people are moving out of housing estates and looking for transfers or just literally 
moving home because they can't be dealing with it anymore? Well, there's a lot of people on to me every day of the week um, that are looking for transfers for lots of different reasons, but certainly antisocial behaviour is is one of the prime reasons. You know, you think you're getting a corner house off Cork City Council and, you know, things are going to be good for you and, you know, you have an, an extra bit of garden and it's great and it's exciting and then a lot of the time when you do get the corner house, there's a lot of problems. They say that, that the gadgets, corner house you know? is always the biggest problem. Always a problem. Always seems to be a problematic. I'm 12 years now on the council and, you know, it's, the problems seem to always come at the corners. You know, and it goes back to looks, you know, you, we often heard this, the phrase the corner boy or, you know, the fellow standing in a group in the corner and things like that. And that does happen as well. Look, Neil, I suppose what I'm saying to you today is that you know, you're talking and you have a lot of listeners with very different opinions today on the show when it comes to social welfare and children's loans. But I wonder, is it all tied in, really? I don't mean to generalise, but I wonder, in, in these cases, are, are the parents just freeloader bums who just couldn't care less about their lives or their income or, or their children? Yeah. Look, the reality is, if somebody knocked on my father's door... 20 years ago and said Ken was sitting on a wall and he was play, he was banging a football off, off the gable end Ken would get a slap for it you know um, now what happens if you go to somebody's door is you're told that's not my child that's somebody else's child if you give out to a child you're told I'll sue you I'll ring child line the, the pendulum now has moved so far the other direction for people. Well, when I was and a young fella, and it was a lot longer ago than you, but when I was a young fella, everybody, others, everyone else's mothers would give you a slap. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I remember that too, you know, and I can remember the Christian brothers take, giving me a puck as well. It's like school. Well, I know. I mean, you know? And, and, and there was a fear of Gardaí as well. Well, you know, and that's the other side of it as well. Like, you know, I, I stood recently in the North Side with two guards. We were, I was brought up to a, a situation in, in, in an area in the North Side. Um, and the guards were on the scene as well. I was talking to the guards after it was diffused. And this young fellow, I'd say about maybe 12, 13, he spits right in front of the guard's shoe. You know, we were standing on the footpath. And, you know, I, you know, there was a time in my life, certainly, where you, if you saw a guard, you'd, you'd go across the other side of the street, you know, because, you know, you had so much respect for them and you had so, so much fear of them, you know, even if you were innocent. But look, there is a total lack of respect uh, out there. Ch- uh, parents, a lot of parents these days, some parents are fantastic, by the way, but a lot of parents out there these days want, don't want to take any responsibility. We're not talking about the fantastic over. ones and let yeah. us tip but, the hat to them as always. I'm yeah, talking about yeah. the ones that aren't and what are we going to but do there, about it? There, there are those that believe that it's a society problem and that everybody else should take responsibility for their children. That's the reality of it. And Neil, if we look at what the Icelandic model was a number of years ago where they had serious problems with antisocial behaviour in the last 20 years and they've reduced that now down to about 5%. Oh. And that was done with carrot and stick. And there's too much there's too much carrot and not enough stick in Ireland. That's the reality of it. What is introduced in Iceland, if you're under the age of 18 and you're out after 10 o'clock at night and you're not accompanied by an adult or a guardian or a parent, you will be fined. Uh, but you will this, be taken home to the house and you will be fined. And the fine is occurred upon their guardian. But this so case of the, the lads of the playing park. ball on Friday, five of them, 11-year-olds, five of them, was in the middle of the day. Within this the character of the pulls a knife in the afternoon. Yeah. 
And, and but the, the, look, Neil, this all stems from the kids, parents not knowing where their kids are. Parent, uh, you know, I can have, I have plenty of stories, and I have plenty of photographs and documented evidence of fellas thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, out drinking three, four o'clock. So in, I understand in, why people want in, kids in, in, to play in, in ball the and in the morning. Yeah. Well, I know that. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand all the calls from last week of kids playing ball. Other, other. Apparently, some neighbours are getting annoyed about kids playing ball in the neighbourhood. But the reason they're playing ball so close to home and maybe banging it off people's windows or their cars is their parents don't want them out of sight. Well, that, and that's correct. That's correct. And, and that I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was as bad as it would get when we heard of families feuding and firing shotguns off and guns down in Mahan. But it just seems to get worse. Well, it is getting worse. And you see, they, they, we have this kind of lightly, lightly, uh, I think you use the phrase, uh, snowflake approach to a lot of children's issues and a lot of adult issues. We need to get tough on the parents. We need to be implement fines upon the parents if they're, if they're not taking responsibility for their children. And I mean garnishing their social welfare, garnishing their salaries, the same as what they're doing in Iceland, the same as what they're doing. Neil, if you don't pay your property tax on your, on your home, it's taken out of, it's taken directly out of your Would house. you evict them? So there is, there is a way of doing it. And yes, the, but the big problem that we have in City Hall, when we evict people and we go for the eviction orders, and it does happen, we have a judge sitting there saying, well, where are you going to put them? Well, they have to live somewhere. And sometimes we have to disqualify people from getting council houses, and that happens. What's but the way? What, they what's, private, okay. they go into private rental, and they arrive, they arrive, they present themselves, they walk out of the courtroom, and they present themselves across in Cork City Council again as homeless. Playing the system again. It is, yeah, absolutely. And they're told how to do it. What is but the housing waiting list at the know. moment, just finally, before I let you go? Do you know? Um, do, do you happen to know? I do, yeah. We're, I tell you, know, of the 21st of April, we're actually at 4,532 um, housing applications live. And out of that, then, we have 3,354 people actively bidding on CBL. So 3,500 families, is it? Families bidding on CBL. Jeez, now, I can remember a time when that was ten thousand. You know, that was ten thousand. Yeah, very much, very much so. We, we look. We are, we are getting it down. We are buying housing estates. We are building again a little bit more than we were. Um, but you're buying housing estates and taken away yeah. from people who want to get mortgages and raise their own families. Look, Neil, I'll be totally honest with you. The approach to housing in this country and the approach from the government on a number of issues is very poor. And it doesn't take rocket science. It's not as complicated or not as noisy as people think. If you want to build houses to bring them down to the value of 200 to 230,000 three-bedroom houses, what you do is very, very simple. You rezone miles and miles of land. Because and you bring down the value of the land. And why don't so they do that? Because right now, people who are trying to set up family, buy a house themselves, working couples, they're bidding against the council. Because there's, there's too many people. No, there's not, that's not a council job, by the way. That's, that's, a, that's an entire country job that has to come down from the minister's office. There are too many people hanging out of one, of one or two deals and, and being influenced. And I really believe that we have people now in government from Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and Greens that have no idea how an economy works. Yeah. Because they have started in politics and they've, they've been from 18 to know in politics. They've never had another job. They've never known what it was to be unemployed, to be st- to starve. They've never known how difficult life can be to run a business, yeah. to have three or four people employed, and they have no experience in that. Yeah. And we have, we, have, we have people running this government, and I really believe that. We have people running this government that are not fit for office. Out of touch. Thanks, Ken. As always, much obliged, Councillor Ken O'Flynn. I'm out of time for now, guys. We're back after 11. 
Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Better believe it. Talk on a topic again. Just before midday today, another 500 euro voucher to give away for the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road in Blackpool. Providing the highest quality Irish-made furniture to customers for over 40 years. And indeed, uh, I know I've been mentioning it, but uh, I think it's important to remind you that um, some companies have very long delivery and lead-in times. At the Furniture Centre, it's a four to six week delivery, which is fantastic considering the times we're living in now. So we'll be talking on a topic. Three more callers just before midday. I'll open the phone lines at that stage of 500 euro voucher. Um, and we have one to give away every day this week. Please, would you wish Alice Leguilo, Alice Leguilo, the lollipop lady in Tool, a very happy 50th birthday today for Mary and from Leonard. And just one or two more on those if I can find all my blasted paperwork. Morning. Following my email yesterday, I hope you'll get a few minutes this week to send me a message to wish my friend Annette Corvacci a 50th birthday from Monday the 31st of May. Annette is the most fantastic friend and is always putting everyone First, never herself. She never misses your show and she would be surprised if she heard a shout out. So can I please do that for Annette Kovacci? Happy 50th birthday uh, for Monday. I won't be here on Monday. Uh, Mick Mulcahy will be here for the next couple of weeks, starting from Monday morning, but maybe you might get a chance to do another quick shout out on Monday morning. Um, Also, something that I didn't do and it's overdue. Um, It's a text that I got in from Sandra Toomey. Now she says, I really need your help. My daughter was hit by a car on the Ballinlock Road on the 29th of April. Oh my God, that's just awful. The lady admitted she was wrong, but has now changed her mind. A lovely gentleman saw what happened and said she was in the wrong. So we need to find this gentleman as a witness. I would greatly appreciate if you could give it a mention on your show. Okay, maybe it was a case of you didn't get a mobile number or a contact form or whatever. Maybe you felt you didn't need him at the time because the woman in the car admitted liability. Apparently now she has changed her mind. uh, So you need to find the guy. Okay, so we're talking about the Ballinlock Road on the 29th of April. If you were that lovely gentleman, then Sandra would love if you would help out as a witness. So can you get in touch with me? Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106 and we'll see if we can hook you up with Sandra. Okay? So, sorry about that. I meant to do that earlier in the week, but I didn't get time. Now, uh, back to the phone lines we go. Helen, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? I'm good. I know it's terrible. It's terrible. This uh, this would have been your uh, nephew or your your, my niece's son. Your, oh, it's your niece's son. Okay. So he was out with four friends on Friday. Um, and this is from his mam. They're all aged 11. They were out playing ball when a knife was put close to one of the boy's faces. And the boy with the knife was only 14. Uh, one of the boys started crying and was told to shut up or I'll stab you. Do you want to pick up on the story? That's right. Now, the bigger boy with the knife, like he was the tallest. So he was about 14. The cardinal out to them, they were only 11, the boys that were there. They had a ball, playing ball, up in the Cassaville pitch. So there was, about, there was five of them playing ball, aged 11. So these few boys came along. What pitch were they on? The Cassaville pitch, I think it's called. No, actu- not okay, so they were, on, they were on a soccer pitch. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, um, so that was fine for them playing ball. A few boys came along, and the biggest boy, like the tallest, these are from eleven-year-olds now. So the tallest boy, in their opinion, about fourteen. He's the one that had the knife, and one of the boy who was playing ball, one of the one of the boys' phones rang, and one of the other crowd said to him, uh, "It was a group of travellers, like." So um, the boy said to him, uh, tell him, put that phone away or I'll take it. And another boy from the five boys that w- w- were playing ball, another boy cried and the fellow with the knife said, tell him, shut up or I'll F and stab him. Good. Now they all had a whip and they were swinging, you know, like a whip for the horses. Yes. They had a whip and they were whipping it. Now the children all no, it's not a great line now, so let's see if we can work through it. What did you say? They also had a whip. Yeah, but after that? Uh, so the children, the boys scattered, and my niece's son, he banged his head on his way home, and his hand was all caught up in everything. And they all scattered. They were afraid of their lives. He is traumatized. I'm not exaggerating with Janine. He is traumatised. He went to bed that night. His mother went up the stairs to check on him, as she would do like. There he was, sitting up in the bed. And she said, yeah, right. And he said, Mum, will you sleep with me tonight? And she's sleeping with him every night since. It is a disgrace. I mean, like, I have friends that are travellers and grow up with people who are travellers. And there was never this kind of thing, ever. How do you know they were travellers? Well, let me ask you now. It's just a simple question, and I'm sorry. If there was a man national, and they had a, an off accent, could you tell that they're just not Irish? Yeah. Well, I, can you tell the same with a traveller, be honest? Mm, most of the time. Come on, me. Come on, me. Jesus, I grew up with all my friends and travellers. I've no problem with travellers, but it just seems that this younger crowd... crowd but why do we have to say that they're travellers at all? Why can't they just be 14-year-old kids, 14-year-old thugs, 14-year-old maggots, 14-year-old whatever you want to call them? Exactly, that's what they are. But why do we have to say traveller? They're the same crowd that's going, it's the same group that's going around to different, in that area, it's the same crowd of boys. And if it's in a way to identify them, the parents went to the guards. If it's a way of distinguishing them, like say somebody had a scar on their face, you know, their clothing. I I don't know how we went down this rabbit hole, but while we're down it now, isn't that very unfair on the travelling community that never break the law? Well, I absolutely, I just told you, I have great friends and they're salt to the earth. And I actually don't mean to say that offensive about these boys that were there. Yeah, I mean, so your niece's son, your niece's son is saying, it's horrible to think now that summer is coming. Um, As a mother, watch your son. What is she going to do? He won't leave the house. No, he hadn't been leaving the house. He was terrified of COVID, but he was just after making his call since he went back to school. Neilan, Playing, you know, what? Time outside the door at once. 
Yeah. No, you're breaking up there, Helen. Sorry, what did you say? It was his first time outside the door after being back to school. His friend oh, called back. Nah, it's I'm just not, not good enough, sure it's not. I mean, just not, like knives. Oh my God. Like, where is this going? And his mother is sleeping every night. And now she's afraid because she don't want to give him that either. You see, all it's going to take is for some fella to pull a knife, put it up to some guy's face. Your man's going to react to it and try and push him away. And then this character will stab him. And then, like, you're talking about um, somebody dead. And then you're talking about the age bracket. And there's no punishment for all of them. So this group then with the knife, they were about 14, 13, 14 year olds. Well, he would have been the eldest. I think now they're under that impression because he was the tallest. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know, he might have been a tall, we say 12 or 13 year old. But like, this was according to them. So about 14. He doesn't want to go out anymore now. He won't go out. He won't go out, Neil. I mean, that's awful. And were the guards told about this? The guards know about it, they do. But should really their hands are tied. Like, really? I listen to every day. A slap on the wrist over their age. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and some families then are afraid to report it or to afraid to go uh, on the record because it leads to more problems. They become targets. Like, it's fine. You could go and knock at somebody's door and, you know... Say, look, this happened. Look, my child is no angel. I'd be the first to say, my child is no angel. But look, we sort this, you know? But they're not from the area. They can't go, like you you people there, and I'm listening to you. They won't come on the air. They are that terrified. Yeah, that's true. I'd be afraid to come on the air because I'm not living in the area. And I really don't mind who identifies me. Yeah, but not your your family members, not the lad who had the knife pulled on him, no. Uh, not to target him. Yeah. Or his friends or any children. And will, know, he, will, he get a, will he Will he get over it, do you think, eventually, over time? I mean... You see, he's a delicate... No, he's not delicate. No, he's mad into the soccer. And that's all he would go to. And that well, was his... I'm not exaggerating. It was his first time out, me because his friends from school called for him. So he just said that they go up the pitch and have a game of soccer. They're mad for the soccer, these five boys. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. It's fantastic. Yeah, they should be able to play soccer and parents shouldn't have to worry when they are playing soccer on a soccer pitch. Is it that the guards are, is it that the guards are slow to visit traveller families or slow to go to a halting site? They don't want to do that? Sure, I you know as much as I do. You'd have to draw your own conclusions there, yeah. like, let's be And then at the end of the day, like I can see from the guard's point of view, what is the point if they're going to be greased with hostility? Not by everybody, but if they're going to be greased by hostility, aggression, you know, like, oh, that's my son, he wasn't there. Hard you to know, prove. But, but at the end of the day, charges, there's nothing can happen. So, like, the guards, hands it, I don't blame the guards. Because they're kids. They're underage, but they, like, there needs to be something for any age of carrying a knife. I know, I know, I know. The Listen. The time to change now, let me tell you, Neil, is when somebody underage kills another innocent child. God help us, that poor boy, 19, there not too long ago in the neck. Lord, the mercy, and he stole that poor child. 
um, it's when that's going to happen now, and it's going to be younger children. Cameron Blair. Yeah. Cameron It'll Blair. Some of the family. All right. Well, look, it's not the greatest line, but I do appreciate you coming on air. I really do. Can you just hold on there? I want to get, I want to get that lad's address off the air because I want to send him a couple of pizzas. All right. So hang on yes. there and give me his address. We send him up some Oak Fire pizza vouchers. He have some pizza at home with his Maybe with his family. I never rang up for anything like that. I didn't. I know you didn't. This is something that I want to do. This isn't. This isn't between you and me. I just want to send the uncle some pizza. I hope I'd be up there when it comes. And make sure you're there when it comes piping hot. All right, Helen? I will. Thanks Take very care, much. Girl. Take nice care, girl. Take care. Cheers. Stay on the line. Stay yeah. on the line. Give me the address to get him some pizza vouchers and himself and his mum and the family can have a pizza party at home. He'll be safe in there, that's for sure. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Massive uh, numbers of people listening live, but huge amounts of people listening to uh, this program on podcast. I'll actually get you the numbers of the podcast and uh, and talk more about that a little later on uh, in the week. But uh, one incident that we spoke about yesterday was the issue of suspended sentencing. And Jordan said, just listening to your podcast on the topic of suspended sentences, a suspended sentence, because I was saying, uh, you know, in the case of the malicious phone calls that were made, pretending to be a, a, a child, alleging falsely uh, sexual and physical abuse in the home. I spoke to, to the mammy yesterday morning on the air of the children. It was a harrowing conversation. Just listen to your podcast. <clears throat> that woman who did the made the phone calls actually got two, two separate suspended sentences. And I say, suspended sentence is really a slap on the wrist. Jordan says, a suspended sentence is actually a great way to rehabilitate an offender. It's an incentive to stop your criminal activity or go to prison. It's also, in most cases, saves the state the cost of putting someone in prison. Save prison for your real criminals instead, says Jordan. I wonder what people think of that, because, I mean, technically and theoretically, that is right. But I wonder, in reality, uh, does it actually work that way at all? Or do people know that a lot of the time in Ireland you'll just get a suspended sentence? Um, or nothing at all if you're never caught, I suppose. But anyway, back to the phone lines. Annette, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Good morning to you. I was just listening to you speaking to that lady. Yeah. Um, how would you feel if your son was threatened with a knife? Like anybody, like any parent. I'd be livid. I'd be upset. I'd be angry. Yeah. I'd be all of those things. Yeah, but like you making out there like that, um, you, it's okay. Doesn't matter who they are or what they are. Yeah, when did I say that, Annette? But you're all in favour for the travellers. It's not. It's not that quite. It's not quite that simple. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, and I see other ones here saying, "Neil, are you insane?" You say things like, "I don't know how you know they're travellers." For the love of God, would you wake up? Um, Exactly. But hold on. But hold on a second. We need to have balance in conversation. We have need to be fair to all sections of society. We can't just throw every section of society and every ethnic group under a bus. But they're all the same. Are they not all the same? No, they're not all. See, that's just it. They're not all the same. Well, if they're going around with knives, are they not all the same? Those within are not going around with knives. Then, like. It doesn't matter whether they're travellers or settled people. It really shouldn't matter. But that's what I said. Yes, but you're standing, you're saying, oh, you don't know if they're, if they're travellers. Whereas if we said they were settled people, how do you know they're settled people? I just want to be fair to people who are within the travelling community but have never broken the law in their life. That's all, you know. 
yeah, but there's loads of people in the set- community that never broke the law as well. But we don't say that they were settled. We don't say that they were white. We don't say that they were black. We don't say that they were Polish. We say that they were travellers. Like if, if it was foreigners, they'd say it was foreigners. Maybe. But we, yeah. we make out that we, we, we can't tolerate a society that will say that every single traveller child has the, pos- has the potential to break the law. That every single traveller child will go around with a knife. But that's not what they're saying. They're saying there were traveller children that did it. That's what they're saying. Okay, okay. I'm not saying every child is going to do that because you can't say that. Okay, well, you we... can't say that because no child, not every child will do that. It's my job to try and be fair, accurate, and balanced if at all possible. Yes, but don't, like, be fair to everyone. Yeah, yeah, but not just the settled community. Everyone. No, I just want to say, be fair to everyone. Yeah. I would be like an absolute antichrist if somebody pulled a knife on my son or daughter. I would want, I would want to take, I would want to tear them limb from limb. Yeah, and don't you think that like, the law is wrong when they're not doing something about it? The law is wrong in the sense that, what, because they're 14 years of age and they can't go to jail? Yes. Well, I, I'd jail the parents or I'd find the parents. I'd do something well, to the parents. I think that's how it should be. It's, it's, and then we wouldn't have had the, the trouble that we have from the youngsters. I mean, I, there's no directions with angels. We all know that. But if they do something wrong, there has to be um, there has to be punishment. All right. Good points. Well made. Thank you for that. Much obliged to you. Thanks All for right. calling. Thanks, okay, Annette. Stay in touch. Thank Thanks for listening. Bye. Jason, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, I'm going to say as little as possible. So off you go. Um, yeah, I was just saying there, like, uh, I was on to you a couple of weeks ago as well, uh, about the time I was in town and, like, seeing the, the, the group of people peeing in the fountain and as such. But um, regular weekend yeah. occurrence on Lee side these days. Yeah, it's just normal now. Like yeah. even, um, but that's not the point. I was trying to make anyway. Like I lived in Beijing there for um, just over three years, uh, back from 2015 to 2018, um, and in a city of like uh, 22 million people, which is estimated to be about 30 million people um, living there in the city alone. And I ne- there, there's no knife crime there. There's no gun crime because there's consequences. Like, it doesn't matter if you're an adult. They have juvenile prisons as well, which they should have here. Like, the kids here just get off. And I was stabbed when I was 15 in the city years back. In Cork? Um, yeah, in Cork City, just by the Mercy Hospital. Can you, re- can you recall what happened? Uh, yeah, was, we were coming down from the Merdick Field uh, like that. We were up there bushing me and a couple of friends and we were coming down and there was one fella with another group of lads that we were arguing with at the time but uh, I asked him around the corner I said lad let's just do one on one around the corner and before I know what he was after stabbing me in the stomach but, so um, the one on one was not a fair fight he had a knife yeah like, uh, the minute I turned around he stabbed me but it, it wasn't uh, a, a dangerous wound or anything but it could have been like but um, like, like I was saying about what kind of a knife was that? I, I didn't even see. I think it was a small pin knife, but any knife is very dangerous. Like, I mean... No, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get an idea as to what knives they're carrying. Are they kitchen knives, steak knives? Are they, are they bought in hardware shops? Are they pen knives that kids used to have years ago or what? 
I'm not sure because you can order all these things on Wish now and like online, like and you can have them sent to your house. But I, I'm sure they're small knives, so they can conceal them. Like, was there any consequences for that stabbing? Uh, no, my family didn't want to press charges on him. They wanted to deal with him themselves, but um, that never ended up happening anyway. But like in in Beijing, for, for instance, like they brought in laws in 2004 where if you're caught with a knife, like if you're caught with a knife on your person. Not if you use it. You get like a minimum of three years in prison and there's no slap on the wrist. There's no getting out after a year. You do the full three years in prison. Like if you're caught with a gun, an unlicensed gun over there, that's life. You're going to spend the rest of your life behind bars. For gun, so, for holding a gun. Not using it, but gun. having it on your person. Yeah, an unlicensed gun. Like they, they have severe Life. And is life life? Life is life. Like over there, you're you're going to spend the rest of your days in prison unless there's something dramatic happens that you get out over some unforeseen circumstances. It's not, it's not 12 years, uh, 33 no. and a third out for good behaviour, nothing like that. No, no, it's not. Like, I mean, but for instance here, they should have juvenile prisons. Like for, I think, 14 up. I mean, if you're going to carry a knife and threaten somebody, and let's call a spade a spade, whether a traveller or whoever... They're just scumbags at the end of the day. If you're going around carrying a knife and the way they're acting in town and getting stuck on young fellas that are playing ball, like, do you have anything better to be doing? Like, trying to act the boy in front of your, your friends. But, like, three years to the day in prison, that, that would... There'd be nobody carrying knives. Nobody, like... It, it would just... It would, the problem would cease to exist. There was a big problem... I was reading this months ago somewhere. There was a big problem in... Ga- in- Glasgow. I hope someone will be able to fill me in again. I just remember the, the basic facts. But there was a big knife problem in Glasgow. People were toting knives everywhere. It was just out of control. Stabbing robberies. People walking down the streets stabbing each other. Very bad. So one judge, apparently, uh, the boss judge in Glasgow, whoever that was, decided that it was on the statute book. So he decided to in, in, invoke the law. He said anybody arrested in possession of a knife, whether it's on their person or using a knife, automatic jail no suspended sentence uh, you know no deferred court cases no special circumstances no poor me stories straight to jail apparently within a number of months um, knife crime in Glasgow disappeared yeah and that's the way it should be all these politics like for instance if one of them laws came in tomorrow it would take excuse my language it would take years to pass because of the way the politicians do things here like, it should just come into law. Like, like for instance, in Canada, you know, like the head of, like, um, crime or whatever, he's got, he was an ex-policeman. You know, like the head of the um, healthcare system was an ex-doctor, you know. It should be the same here. Like, the commissioner, the head commissioner in the whole of Ireland should be able to make them laws, saying, right, we're going to rid the country of knife crime, because it's not just a problem in Cork, it's, it's countrywide, like... The likes of Dublin, Drogheda, Limerick, Cork, for instance. Like, but it's not just them cities; it's, it's countrywide. But the law should just be brought in that you get an automatic jail sentence, and if you're a juvenile under the age of sixteen, then your parents get a massive fine. That if they do not pay, they will go to jail. Yeah. And then something where a juvenile prison where. This we had one though. We had Spike, and we have others up the country. I mean, we used to have Spike. It was full of youngsters. Bring it back. Bring it back. Like, like, like a lot of these young fellas, 
they're just acting. You know, they're acting in front of their friends. But not there was no fourteen-year-olds in Spike, though. You know, sure there wasn't, or was there? No. Well, well I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but like, uh, like I, I wouldn't be totally far putting fourteen-year-olds in jail. But if you use the knife on somebody, then yeah, go to jail. You're, you're going to have to. When you're fourteen, you know what you're doing. Like, uh, and I don't know, like the, the the lady before you there, like trying to say that you can't say they're travellers. Of course you can. Like, uh, like. I mean, Neil's allowed his opinion as well. Like, it's his show as well. Like, he's trying to be fair. So, like, I get your point, but... um no, I'm just saying. I, I, well, I've, I've made that point. I'm remaking again. I just want to, like, I just want to be fair to all communities, if at all yeah. possible. You know, I, I mean, yeah, definitely. I understand you completely, and it's not like that's like saying oh, that's fine. I understand. No, no, ah, yeah, I understand. People say, Ah, oh, Neil, if travellers moved in alongside your house, it wouldn't be long before you moved out. You're, you're probably right. You're probably yeah. right. You know, probably right. Most people would, but. Like getting back to it anyway, Beijing was just amazing because I never seen a fight on the streets. I never seen a homeless person. I know, I know it's a common estate, but like they have everybody a job. Everybody's working. It's an amazing place to live. Three years I never seen a fight, and when I got off the the bus from Dublin Airport, I got back to Cork, and as I got off in Cork after years away, I was like, "You wouldn't have a fag, why would you?" And I was like, "No," and he was like. You're effing this and you're effing that. I was like, I'm back. I'm back oh, in for God's sake. Oh, for God's sake. I know. Come on, Neil, let's go. Cheers, pal. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Stay in touch. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay. Um, you want to do a bit of reminiscing to decades of yesteryear, is it? Well, yeah. Back in the early 70s and 80s, if you got in minor trouble and you went into front of the judge and you were kind of 16, 17, you were given kind of half a choice to go and join the army for your sins. And to instill some discipline in you, I'll do jail. It was, it was the way it used to be. Yeah, Long Tom is always saying that. Actually, um, Tommy Welch, the uh, ex-school teacher, he taught me in the man. He was a big advocate of everybody spending time in the army or the FCA. Well, it's a great way of instilling discipline, and it gives them three years of learning how to do the right thing. Neil, it's, it's simple. And no army and navy are looking for people at the moment. Why don't the judges give these people a choice? And what do you do what with the you young? Have? What do you do with the young ones that are out there tearing the heads off each well, other and fighting and robbing and stabbing? I, I don't know. But we always had Saint Pat's. You remember Boston schools when we were younger that we were threatened with? If you were bold, you were going to be kicked into Saint Pat's. Yeah, you but you that? don't want to. You don't want to go back to the days of industrial schools and Boston's, though. I, mean, oh, I know. I know what you're saying. It was was it tougher back then? It was cold. You went through the same time as me. It, it, it was just as tough. Um, you you didn't get away with stuff that they're getting away with now. Yeah. But as the local cop would kick you in the ass quicker than he would look at you if you were caught out of the way, and you didn't tell your parents because you get a worse one. Yeah. So that's simple. Like, yeah. Well, we just lost the, the run of ourselves. We let kids do what they like, I think. Okay. All right. Let me get another couple of calls on the air. Thanks, John. I'm just under pressure for time because I also have, uh, you know, talk on a topic. We'll open the phone lines on that in about six minutes' time. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. All right. Earlier on this morning, I spoke with uh, Patrick Murphy on behalf of the fishermen who um, sailed up the Lee. They punted up the harbour this morning. Many of them travelled. The story in the examiner this morning says that angry fishermen and sailed through the night to deliver a blunt message to uh, Micheál Martin today. And they were delivering that message this morning to his constituency office, I guess in Ballinlock. 
Their industry is dying. They've been shafted by the government, shafted by the EU, shafted by Brexit. At least 60 of them, perhaps more, all assembled off Roaches Point and they punted up the harbour and all tied up then, punted up in flotilla up the Lee. Many people came out to support them. Seamus Whelan was there when they tied up and came ashore uh, to catch up with the fishermen themselves. I'm just here to support fishermen and to ask for equal rights for all of our fishermen. Uh, the way they've been treated by the government is unbelievable. 15% quota for our... This is a, 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 a natural resource, you know. We're an island nation and 15% quota. The other 85% goes to foreign boats fishing in Irish waters. It's ridiculous. They've been completely forgotten by the Irish government. Equal rights is all we ask for. We had Apple here in Cork. 6,000 jobs. Okay? They got an 11 billion tax bill from Europe. The government went to bat for them, right? They put resources and money into fighting a court case for Apple. And they were dead right, okay? Apple is important to Cork, it's important to Munster, it's important to the whole region. But we're talking about losing maybe two, 3,000 jobs in the fishing industry. We can go back, we can put resources into legal cases, we can just go back. What we need is a T-shirt. We need a government to go over to Europe and say, this isn't right. It hasn't been right for a long time. We need a fair shake. We're not looking for all of it. We're not looking for 75% of fish in our own waters like the UK are after getting in this Brexit deal. We're looking for a fair deal. I don't understand how they can't see that um, by them investing and supporting the fishing industry that they'd really benefit as well. The whole economy, like the country's economy, would benefit from it. It would create more job opportunities and um, I think we really need that now after COVID especially. So... I don't know what their excuse is. And do you think that it's a possibility that they can go back and, I suppose, renegotiate the quotas? They could definitely try, and I think that they'd have a good chance if they actually tried to fight for us as well. And, like, you're putting your lives on the line every day going out to sea, aren't you? Yeah. 20% of our natural resource has been taken from our fishermen, and this isn't us saying that there could be a negative effect to this. The minute it happened, our own Taoiseach said to help out the fishermen, he'd give them money to tie their boats to the pier wall so they wouldn't have to fish. So we give them a few bob not to fish to do go against what they've strived for all their lives. You can see the quality of the boats that are here. And these boats weren't bought overnight. It took generations to achieve the success that these lads have here. And, and to be told now that, well, sorry, there's no room for you in your own waters. We have to give the fish to somebody else. So you have to scrap these boats. Sure, that isn't right. Sure, no other country in Europe is, is talking about decommissioning their boats. Only the ones with the fish in their own waters. Even when, the, when Ireland, you know, they give the top 10 most dangerous jobs in the world, they don't, like, say that it's fishing. They say it's the, that it's agriculture. But it's... It's obviously fishing because it is the most dangerous job. So, I'm from a fishing background. I have five brothers. They're all fishermen. We're third-generation fishing people, and it's a disgrace that we've only 15% of our own waters. That's from this morning down in Horgan's Key. Claire Nash at Nash 19 has always said that the most dangerous job is going to sea to catch fish, and that it's the only profession where people put their lives at risk to put food on our tables now. Agri can say that to some extent, but that punter there on the audio is spot on when it comes to people who fish for a living. They are the only people that risk their lives to put food on our table. How did it come to this? 
where people are being offered money to chalk their boats, as in to take them up out of the water and to put them up on the hard and never fish again. I mean, and how did it come to this, that when the UK leaves Brexit, they get 75% of the fish in their own waters, and we then have uh, their closest neighbour, I mean, it's open to debate as being closest neighbour, but right across the water from them, we get 15% of our fish in Irish waters. Irish fishermen fish 15% of fish in Irish waters. In the UK, they fish 75% of their own waters. How did it get that bad? Like, who's running the shop? Anyway, lines open 1850-104-106 on that. Text 0868-104-106. I'm opening the phone lines and I will take three callers. Callers 9, 10 and 11. Uh, it is day three of our giveaways, courtesy of the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. You will talk on a topic. Uh, you pick a number and I'll give you your topic. 30 seconds with our ums, ahs, deviations, repetitions. Whoever does it best wins the 500 euro voucher. Courtesy of ourselves and the furniture centre on the Warcourse Road now. And we, of course, had, um, you know, very, very, very high level of talent on this morning. So much so that it was held over from yesterday. We couldn't divide them. Maybe we'll get something like that again now. Call one 850 Callers 9, 10 and 11. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines on a busy Wednesday morning. Alan, good morning. Good morning. Just picking up on our conversations this morning with crime getting younger and weapons getting more and more dangerous. Go ahead. I just want to quickly say, you know, it's it's one about prisons and all these kind of things. Um, they don't really stand to form, really, for a lot of these, uh, let's say, minority. Um, when you go on social media, you see where they promote that they've been in prison and what their sentence is. And even, we'll say, younger children, where they're, like, showing off what they've done and how they've gotten in trouble. Like, prisons and and any form of punishment at the moment seems to be a, a clout for them on social media, do you know? I don't um, know, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Does anybody look forward to going to prison? Does anybody, do I, people actually regard it as a badge of honour? I do think there is that element there, yes. Definitely 100%. Um, I mean, especially when it comes to younger offenders, um, where, let's be honest, they're not mature enough to know any better. They don't know what's going to impact the rest of their lives. What I, what I do um, see a lot of is I see a lot of call-outs online. I see a lot of, um, you know, people threatening to fight each other. Much of that is within yeah. the traveller community. I see an awful lot of gangs posting their own TikToks and their own WhatsApp and Instagram videos. That's all new, and that, that probably fuels it even more then, you know? Yeah, definitely so. I mean, uh, as as I said in the text, the, the, the punishment does need to fit the crime. Um, and don't get me wrong, I am for prisons, but unfortunately there is that small minority who use it as, as clout or as uh, gloating rights. Um, maybe in the younger generation, as you suggested, targeting the parents, maybe that is the, the, the only reasonable um, way to go about it, really. You know these fellas that are act with bravado, like I've done the crime and I've done the time. Look at me, I'm a superhero, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see a lot of that, especially TikTok, to be quite honest. I, I don't. I mean, do you see that? I mean, I don't, I'm not on TikTok, but is that the kind of stuff, the nonsense that's up there? You do, you do see a lot. I'm not saying it's, it's covered in it, but you do see a lot of it. Like, um, now you will see the other side of the coin where people have offended and they have gone to prison and they have changed their lives. There is that element also. Um, but more so in the younger generation, it seems to be more of a, a clout kind of a thing. They gloat about it. Yeah, they gloat about it. You know, um, 
you know, there, there was one, I'm trying to think of the exact circumstances now again, it, it was basically, it was a suspended sentence that they got. Um, and it was basically saying, maybe I'll do it right and get in there the next time. All of this suspended sentencing business came back to the fore again regarding the malicious calls that were made by this woman to a family home um, and it just mm. ruined their lives, just threw their whole lives up in the air. And that was a suspended sentence. And people were saying that the judge is completely out of touch with reality by giving a suspended sentence for that. In fact, some were saying that if it was a man made the malicious calls, he would be in jail. Uh, again, every case has its own specifics. We don't know the ins and outs of it, I would imagine. Um, you know, I, I, I won't comment on that one specific case. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm just saying in general that I do feel that, that court, case, uh, court sentencing and especially prison is very much a, a clout kind of a thing. Okay, that's the point um, you wanted to it, make. Yeah, okay, okay. And you made it very well. Appreciate that. Thank you, Alan. Cheers. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I'll come back to this again, I promise you that. But uh, hopefully Karen Dean is standing by and Sheehan is in Waterfall standing by and so is Marie Murphy and Cove. Marie? Hi, Derek. How are you? Okay, hold on there a second. You're on four and that means that Anne is on two. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And where are you, Anne Sheehan? I am the beautiful little place called Ballinora Waterfall. Oh, lovely area. Know it well. Not. Okay, so we have three of you. Each of you will get 30 seconds. You, uh, Maria, uh, sorry, Marie, and Regina in Middleton. So 30 seconds to talk on a topic. You can pick a number and I'll give you that topic. Whoever does it best, blah, 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 wins a 500 euro voucher to be spent at the furniture centre on the watercourse road. So Marie, you're first up, okay? Okay. Okay, that means that Anne is second. And let me just see that I've got her sorted here at this stage. Regina Brown and Middleton. Regina? Hi, Neil. How are you? Don't go anywhere. You're third, okay? Okay, no problem. Marie, a number, please, yes. between 1 and 14. Uh, number 1. The number 1 is... It says here, the top three things I like most about my best friend... But 30 seconds, if you like, on your best friend. 30 seconds, your best friend, things you like about him or her, and your clock starts now. Okay, my best friend is another girl. Uh, her initials are MK, and uh, she's just my confidant. Uh, we go for coffee. Uh, we do a lot of things together. If I have a problem, I can always talk to her, and she will never repeat anything. She always remembers my birthday and everything important I need to know. Uh, she's got a daughter like I have, so we compare a lot of notes. Uh, she is so kind so generous and we go out together all the time when we can oh it's not easy is it it's not easy no <laughs> not easy at all <laughs> okay I won't say anything because I don't know what the competition yeah, is yeah. going to be like okay, all I'm saying don't go anywhere alright don't go anywhere okay. just hold on okay. and she and him waterfall how art thou I am wonderful what you make of that uh, good. All right, good. All right. Will you I be? I say it's not easy. It's not easy when that clock's a ticking. Number between one and fourteen. Sorry, pick number two. The number two is. It says here the best character in a book I've ever read. The best character from a book I've ever read. That's tough. Thirty seconds, and your clock starts now. I think I'll have to go back to my first book, which was Oliver Twist. And it just took me 
And I realized there and then how privileged I was with my life and what I had compared to the life of a little urchin boy who was begging for his, his food, really. And even when he had the food, it was his money that he made was taken off him. Life was hard and life is hard for many, many people. So it really was a little picture of what life is really like. The good, the bad and the ugly. We can have it good or we can have it very bad. There you go. It all worked out in the end for Oliver Twist, though. He found his long-lost granduncle and he became a very wealthy young man. I didn't get... I didn't... I think that book impressed me most because I was at that age where I saw a new side to life. You're absolutely spot on. Okay, so Oliver from Oliver Twist. Actually, funnily enough about that, you know the movie, the musical? That's a million miles away from the book. You probably know that you've read the book. But I love the musical too, and I've watched it numerous times, showing it to my kids. They didn't think much of it, being honest. I think they were all too old when I got to show them. Ah, yeah, but it's a great thing to watch at Christmas time. I think Oliver, it really is. I love it. Anyway, that was that was great. What do we think? What do we think of that, lads? What do we think of that? Um, are you you're you're doing your judging now as we go along, Brenda Dennehy, Are you? Yeah, we'll just have to wait. Yes, and see. myself and Mark are. We're very strict out here, but I must say, Marie, she got ten out of ten for cuteness. Cuteness. Yeah, there's there's a score for cuteness. She was no cute as at all. You're, she's so cute. Cute and doesn't then, cute doesn't cut it, baby. Ah, but she's like if there was a, an award oh, for cuteness, be her. Anne as well. Anne's one about the book. I want to go and read the book. Have you not read it? No. All right. Well, do okay. So it's all down to you, Regina Brown and Middleton. All right. Right, no bother. <laughs> so, what have I got for you? Number between, you have 30 seconds, talk on a topic, number between 1 and 14. I'll take number 13 and hope it's lucky. My favourite place in the world to be. I know that's not grammatically correct, but that's what it says here. My favourite place <laughs> in the world to be. Your 30 seconds to talk on that topic starts now. My favourite place in the world to be, and I know it's probably a cliche, but it's at home, when all the family are around. I have a son in Canada at the minute, so it's not my favourite place to be at the minute. I wish he was here. And with COVID and, you know, having everyone around at home, my mother and father live next door to us. I'm very lucky. My sister lives in Middleton as well, so we have a lot of family around, nieces and nephews. So it was a happy place when we're all in the house, you know, eating dinner, drinking wine, kids playing out the back, the dog basking. We have a pet turtle. <laughs> You're only saying that, though. It isn't your favourite place in the world. <laughs> it actually it isn't. No, it's it's Spain. COVID, it actually is. It's well, Spain. If it's I suppose it's Spain, I'd like it, but my favourite place at the moment. No, you're just saying that. That's how people say, who's the most important person in your life? We all have to say our wife. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) it is my favourite place. I'm just on a kitchen revamp, so it is my favourite place. Oh, well, you can't leave the kitchen then because you're admiring it all the time. Okay, thank God I don't have to pick a winner. Go for it, Miss Dennehy. Uh, Marie, Anne, or Regina's favourite place is the kitchen table at home. We'd have to say it would be, although the, Regina got two as well as Anne. But two what? Two ums, is it? Two um, stumbles, as Mark says. But Mark and I think that it should go to Anne because it was kind of a harder topic. Like she went, but the way she went down, the, like I want to go and buy the book. So it's just how she described it. So I think it'll have I to go to Anne. <laughs> love you too. Can I, can I be honest now? Can yeah. I be honest now that it's over? I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even better. You mean you lied? <laughs> no, I didn't lie. I did love Oliver. But it was more the film than the book. <laughs> and I did get the book. 
There's no way in this wide earthly world I'm going to give 500 euro to somebody who lied. <laughs> you styled it out so well. Yeah, I loved Mark Lester. I fell in love with him. That's the film woman. I'd ask you about a film. Well, how do I defend myself? Um, I looked at the, I looked at the pictures. I got the gist of it. Oh, go away! I'm terribly sorry to Regina. I'm terribly sorry to Marie. A 500 euro voucher for Anshian. Sometimes it pays not to tell the truth, courtesy of ourselves in the furnished descent of Watercourse Road in Blackpool. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.